Statement of Amaryllis Pendrag regarding readings of texts from alternate futures. Original statement given November 11th, 528, First Empire. Audio recording by Jonathan Sims, head archivist of the Infinite Library, adjacent to Erb. Hey there, Jonathan Sims. This is Eniash. Why hey, do you Eniash. name Jonathan Sims? Jonathan Sims did a podcast called The Magnus Archives. And that's the format in which they opened every episode that had the typical format and a lot of archiving library stuff. My other name idea was Hermaeus Mora, which I think is the Daedric Prince of Knowledge or something. Okay. But A, that's a really deep cut that no one would get. And B, um, I, you know, it, it could have been, it could have worked, but this was more fun. I wouldn't know what so to say for that one. Yeah. It's a long yeah. time since I heard the Magnus Archives. Was that the name of the character or the creator or both? Yes. Okay. Both. Cool. Yeah. Fun. And, you know, another fun thing just as, uh, also, A, plug for that show. I enjoyed it. B, the guy, Jonathan Sims, was apparently accused, like, before their first, like, kind of Q&A episode of doing a really bad impression of a British accent. But that's actually British? just what he sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, gotta love it. Yeah. Oh, I've been but a- we're not we're not doing the Magnus Archives. What, what are we doing here? We are talking about... Uh, Alexander Wales' web serial, Worth the Candle, in our analysis podcast called Not Everything is a Clue. Exactly. We Our homepage is at hpmorpodcast.com, where you can uh, find a link to our Discord. You can find a link to our Patreon, which we would really uh, appreciate if people signed up for that, because it makes us feel happy and also uh, gives us money, which is great. <laughs> we like money. I think I think those are the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, they're often closely related yes uh we also kick back 15 percent to alexander wales as he wrote this thing and we have a link to his patreon as well if you would like to support him directly yes what you said excellent well uh i don't think we have any listener feedback that we have to get through today so shall we jump right into it yes after two quick things it sucks i didn't write it down because i'm never at my desk on uh discord anymore but Somebody in Discord pointed out that, because I mentioned pulling luck from his bones over and over like he does for mental stats, mm. but luck isn't a mental stat. That is true. So I that was just a very important qualifier because I feel like this is the kind of thing he should be doing all the time if he could have. And it was kind of just like a facepalm moment for him like, oh yeah, no shit. Like there's, there's nothing mental about luck. It's just magic uh, fortune, right? So, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, that was important. Shout out to whoever corrected me on Discord. Sorry, I didn't credit you on the air. And let's see, this comes out on Monday. Mm-hmm. So two days after the airing of this, I'll be on the retro episode for the uh, first book of Mother of Learning on the Shipping Sec- Exercises 101 podcast. Excellent. We should drop a, a link to that again then uh, in our show notes, which we will. Yay. Yes, if you remember, Griffin and Gorky joined us on our retro, so I'll be joining them on theirs fantastic and unfortunately i won't be because i just haven't had enough time to keep up with it and i've fallen behind so sorry about that guys but dude i I totally get it yeah i I have been like trying to burn through podcasts to to stay caught up for all the stuff by the end of the week so it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's an adventure (laughs) you're putting it on 200 percent increased speed you know the idea of increasing the speed still hasn't even occurred to me something just feels uh I always like listening to it at a human speech rate so I can process it at the same speed that they're saying it. All right, wait, now hold on a second. If you were to increase 
pretty much any podcast by 30%, it would just match your normal talking speed. <laughs> so you, you should be okay in moving up your podcast a little bit, right? Yeah, the other thing is more like way less reasonable in that I feel like I should put in something like the amount of time listening to it that it took them to make it. That's that's terrible. Did, I, why why burn more of your I mean, I don't want our audience to burn more of their life listening to us than they absolutely have to. <laughs> that, that way they'll have more time to listen to the other podcasts I'm on. I mean, that, that's fair. I think for me, it's just like, you know, they work hard on it. I'm not going to like try and just rush through it as fast as possible. Hmm. But because I also enjoy it, you know. But that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm bad at doing that. I should maybe try speeding up a podcast at some point. It, I mean, it, you can get a lot more listening in. So that part is nice. I, I feel you, though, when I listened to um, Gideon the Ninth, I slowed it all the way down to one X speed just because I love that narrator's voice so much. I was like, I want to listen to this forever. Did you know, I think that the narrator for or whatever, the person who read the audiobook for The Martian was Will Wheaton. I remember that. I don't was it the first reading or was it a second uh, edition where they got Will? It was probably the newer one. Okay. But I just I remembered like that was my first audiobook where I'm like, "Oh, these can be really good." Oh, yeah, and some of them are awesome. I didn't learn it was Will Wheaton until like 5 years later. Yeah, it wasn't gosh, when did they start actually putting effort into audiobooks? I I mean it was sometime after I started HPMOR because I was like really disappointed with audiobooks at the time when I started doing Methods of Rationality and I was like this this isn't that hard why don't they put just a tiny bit of effort into audiobooks you know but soon after that audiobooks started getting really good and then the world has gotten much better since then well thanks for kicking off the trend <laughs> yes it was entirely me that's the all the publishers were were listening to to my podcast it's true. Well, somebody was. Here's something weird. So hmm. I must have subscribed to it at another time or something, but on August 21st, and they're still coming out, I guess, somebody else is doing readings of the uh, Harry Potter Method of Rationality. Yeah, I remember hearing about that, like a British person. Yeah, but somehow I was subscribed to it because it just showed up like on my phone. Okay. And I was very confused. Anyway, oh. this happened a few months ago, and I forgot to mention it to you because you're the one who did the actual audiobook you know i'm sure this poser is awesome but (laughs) i did listen to part of the first one and it's no uh you know brodsky studios productions so i I, well thank you very much but you know (laughs) different people enjoy different styles and i am glad that there's going to be another style out there for people who don't like you know my thing quite so much but would prefer something else so 100 percent. the more the merrier exactly all right so we should dive into this huh we should wow yeah Let's jump into 129 schemata. That took the place of our of our listener feedback, so. Yes, it did. All right. When we last left our protagonist, he was hanging out in a library poking at books and was left unattended by Raven for mm-hmm. some hours, as and if he wouldn't destroy the world. But luckily, they, it seems like the world survived. They got really lucky. You should never leave a June unattended. That's right. He, apparently. Like, and we're going to... Actually, that's how the... the this week's reading ends so on that note (laughs) that's a yep but we will get to that at the end of the episode yeah that's that's where it belongs so he has been left he has been left unsupervised for a long time and uh gets his skill up a bit and gets uh fetched back by one of the assistants a goblin if i believe correctly and the the goblin like seems to threaten him a few times along the way and i was uh, well, you pulled out the actual quote. You, did you want to read the quote? 
Yeah. So something about, oh, I was expecting Raven. Yeah. You know, I, she said for me to come get you. And uh, he's like, well, I could find my way back. Yeah. But if you got lost, then you get more lost. Then we've got to send search parties out. You can understand how that would be troublesome for us. This place can be deadly. And I'm like, that sure sounds like a threat. It does. And I was expecting like, I don't know, some kind of blackmail or something to come afterwards. Cause you usually don't just threaten somebody for no purpose at all. Right. And especially, like, if you're going to ambush someone, you don't first threaten them to put them on their guard. But uh, then then she just seems to try to lead them down a wrong turn, total ambush territory. And I was expecting there to have to be some kind of killing or something. Like June says, where I come from, if someone leads you down the wrong path, it's to an ambush where they're going to mug you, kill you, or worse. Those are the vibes I'm getting right now. And I really was too. And I don't know. I, I think we're justified in that. But the goblin was very much about, you know, oh, wow, man, you've you've had to have some li- very bad life to become this paranoid. It's understandable. But, whew, boy, that normal people aren't this paranoid. I'm like, aren't they? Because I feel like I would have been. But maybe it's just because I've been reading the story. And so I'm like kind of in June's mindset of being trying someone trying to kill you every few chapters. Yeah, wonderfully naive and, like, sheltered people aren't that tense, right? But if I'm if I'm leading you down someplace where you have no idea where we are, and I'm purposely getting you lost, uh, it's fair to question my incentives. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, she, she walks it back, and it's entirely plausible, but the thing, like, her whole, her whole thing of, well, no, I just wanted to talk, but then you could have just asked. Mm-hmm. You know, what's with, like, the this misdirect? You're, you're freaking me out here. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't. He beats himself or she's like, oh, you must, you know, be traumatized by your horrible life or whatever. It's like, no, not really. Just you're this is weird. I mean, I, I see. I, I agree. I don't think that's true. Her opinion, because I have been led like down shady places before by friends. And you start joking about the haha, you're trying to kill me. You're going to murder me now. And like, it's a joke because I trust my friends. I know they're not going to do that, but you can't not bring it up when you're being led somewhere shady. Right. So. Yeah, like, small... it just comes to mind even when you do trust the person that's there. You're like, "Woo, boy, creepy area we're going here." Even when you trust like a lifelong friend, a small part of you is like, "If they were going to turn on me and kill me, <laughs> this would be the time." See, I, I still, I, okay, yes, if like I, I didn't think at all that they would because that would be silly. But uh, you know, it, it's you got to comment on the appearances, right? Of course, yeah. Um, but I fortunately, like there, there something... is no murdering. In. Yeah, maybe the danger of the library they're mentioning was something that we don't think we mentioned last week where like when they arrive, somebody was missing when things got shuffled and just immediately she's like, well, well, let's do a funeral. Like, you know, looking for them or whatever. So apparently getting lost in the library is basically lethal. Um, It's yeah. It sounds like it. You're like, you never find your way back because it's fucking infinite. Yeah. So I get, I get what they're saying about it's dangerous, but they just like presumed this person dead and I'm like, give them a couple days. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, there was one quick thing I wanted to pull out here was that, uh, apparently, when the library was discovered, it was inhabited by information-eating aliens. And uh, the reason I pulled that out was because that was not in June's original design. And I just thought that was a fun reminder that this is this that June inspired lots of Arab and like presumably its counterpart worlds, like this library. Uh, but he he wasn't like the full author of them. Yeah, that said, that was- I just remembered when he was talking about the library with Arthur and June wanted to push for like all the politics and, and whatever um, factions of the librarians. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I guess we're seeing a bit of that stuff. They do seem to be kind of faction-y. Yeah, but so that's kind of fun. It is. They're hanging together pretty well, though, like chafing under Raven's leadership, it seems, but but still accepting it. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Zorbus, was Zorbus the goblin or was Zorbus someone else? I think, yeah, Zorbus was the goblin. Okay, so Zorbus uh, gets told when, you know, asking about like, hey, who's this person? Why do you think they can help us? Uh, Raven is like, sorry, info has protocols, can't tell you. And gets told that a couple times on various things. And Zorbus comments that uh, info hazard protocols is a fancy way of saying that she doesn't want to have to tell anyone, which is exactly what makes people stop taking info hazard protocols seriously, if you ask me. Uh, and I agree with Zorbus here because, like, the number of times she invokes it for things that, like, we, I at least I thought they weren't that big a deal. Like, just saying that this is June, it, why is she giving a fake name? It's like whenever anything would be slightly inconvenient to share knowledge she just is invoking this protocol but that protocol is only supposed to be invoked when there's information that is literally dangerous to know you know it is an info hazard and knowing his name or knowing why he's here is not an actual info hazard it will not hurt them physically <laughs> to, to know that thing so uh yeah it, it feels to me like it debases the entire protocol and makes it more likely that it'll be disregarded in the future like like car alarms where nobody ever pays attention to them because they're always going off that's a good analogy i i don't think raven's invoking you know info hazard protocols too much it's just about june whenever anyone asks she's just like it's an info hazard thing shut the fuck up right uh if she was doing it about everything that she's done in the last whatever that'd be one thing but I feel like it's just June stuff. And that yeah, but is almost an info hazard. Like somebody here might be inclined to kill him and that could end the world. Right. So like, it's not dangerous for that person to know in the same way. I'd like, um, like it'll literally corrode their brain, but it does put the safety of the world at risk for them to know it. Well, then she should say something like, I can't tell you because of security <laughs> concerns or something. She shouldn't say info has your protocols because that literally means this information will damage you. Yeah, good point. She could say, look, I'm the boss and I'll tell you guys when I'm damn ready to. Um, yeah, or I mean, she, she definitely can't say, I can't tell you who he is because if you knew, you might want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's baby Hitler, but yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, trying to kill him, uh, well, eh, speaking of him in general, so okay. I think Zorbus is complimenting, saying, you're a big, strong man, certainly, soaked in magic, and definitely her type, but I hope you're not underestimating the boss, that's all. Oh, definitely her type. I misread that when I took my note and um, when I put that on here. For some reason, I thought definitely not her type. Oh. And I was like, he thought so he thought that in italics when he was like, listening to Zorbus talk about this. And I was like, oh, he's like in incredulous. Like, how am I not her type? I'm so handsome. Um, but no, I get it. He's he's thinking, oh, shit, I'm her type. Of course, I'm her type, right? See, I was kind of confused when I read this note of yours. I'm like, huh, I wonder where Steven's going to take this. Let's let's find out. It's really but easy to take it the wrong way when you can't fucking read. <laughs> I mean, your brain inserted a word that happens sometimes. But it did it like three times. But, you know. Fair enough. Well, it says definitely her type, and then later in the sentence, I hope you're not underestimating her. So, like, the not maybe interfered or something with yeah, your brain? Definitely her type is there twice. Yeah, no excuse. I can't read. <laughs> okay. I've been pretending this whole time. 
So your your comment was, alas, she won't be a party member then. Now are you thinking, alas, she's going to be a party member now? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because I was thinking there, that she couldn't be because she wasn't into him. But now that she is, then yeah, my probability estimate of her being a party member literally goes well above 50%. <laughs> Whereas previously it was at like 10. Okay. Yeah. All righty. I hope she's a party member. That'd be fun. She's cool. I. I do too. I'm I'm just tickled how everyone has jumped on the well. If they're bangable, then they're possibly a party member. But if they're not bangable, obviously they're out. Despite That's... the fact that we have both Grack and a deer in the party. I mean, June said he wouldn't be opposed to touching butts with Grack, and <laughs> I I stand by my prediction that the deer will turn into a, a pale young woman at some point. Um, and I think it's June who's always obsessing about this harem stuff, right? He does obsess about it a bit. Yeah. That's true. It's been yeah. a while, but still. Yeah. He he did. Yeah, you're right. Okay. It's not totally untoward. Yeah. No, he's inviting it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things being invited, whew, that was a terrible segue. Uh, Raven says that when June entered the library, the uh, end, end date to the world got pushed up by like 100 years or something. Uh, she says, removing you from time apparently greatly increased the odds of Arab survival. Which made me think, well, maybe the Uther hobos were onto something here with this whole killing June idea. If taking him out of here makes Arab last a lot longer. Yeah, that was my thing is I thought that the world was going to go immediately to shit. But apparently it went on for, at this point. All we know is that it went on for at least another century. And so yeah. maybe it just goes back to its version of normalcy slash safety, like just like it was before you got there. That's what and it seems like. Yeah, if that's the case, then O'Cald and his murderous friends were totally right. I I don't know what would happen if they actually killed him. You know, again, all of this is suspect. I never put a lot of stock in like the, well, here's how long the books say the world will last. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's it's indicative. Yeah. It would be enough if I was on the fence and I was in O'Cald's party to be like, okay, yeah, fuck this guy. We're killing him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not on the fence because June's the protagonist, but uh, but it certainly looks like the world is getting fucked up specifically because he's in it yeah totally i'm also not on the fence but if i was that would be enough to push me off totally Uh, i guess i pulled out just the there's one there's another mention here it's kind of like rather than just give us the example up front whales decided to like just tease us a bunch with how bad things are going to be if he levels up without uh a babysitter Mm -hmm. because there's another reference to that in this chapter yes i did yeah, before any of that, I want to learn the Lost Art of Spirit, which helped me help pre- prevent me from going crazy and killing everyone. Wow. Yeah, what the hell happened? That I don't know. Did he did he have an off-camera level up? I we will get an answer. Well, I mean, he had the on-camera level up and then he was being held down and soul fucked back into normalcy, but like I I would like to know what happened in between cuz now it sounds like he went out and burned down an orphanage or something. I just got the impression that it was he was you know, just got done with the levitating part of the level up and then she tackled him. Like, yeah. I, it says like the next thing he was aware of, but maybe, yeah, he, he did stay high on the rush of level up and went out just completely unconsciously. I don't know, tried to rampage. So we'll see. I we will see. We'll see very soon, I think. Yes. Uh, he okay this was a cool thing that i had to pull out raven (laughs) warns him yes that uh not to read in classified documents he finds because late in the second empire it was standard practice to lace classified documents with cognito hazards which was fucking badass 
(laughs) Something you don't want people to see. Just put a little booby trap on the front of it that if they look at it, it explodes their brain. That is some Magnus Archives level bullshit. Mm-hmm. And and I love it. It's it's overkill badass, and it's exactly the kind of way Mad Eye Moody would put on. I don't know how he would sign sign a real letter to somebody, but he would find he would definitely be putting that on everything, right? Uh, well, not everything, but M- maybe almost everything. I could see him wearing a cloak with like those you know brain exploding sigils all over it, <laughs> just flipping it around whenever he needed to bl- explode someone's brain. Well, you never know when you need, when you need to explode someone's brain. You know if, if you're constantly vigilant so you're just constantly doing it you know maybe put it on the inside of your underwear because if someone has gotten your underwear off and is looking on the inside of them it probably means you're like knocked out and tied up and they're strip searching you and you know if you aren't knocked out then you can warn someone who's taking off your underwear like hey baby don't look on the inside of my underwear because it'll blow your brains out that sounds like the kind of thing that would make me immediately look in someone's underwear (laughs) and you would think just given that phrasing that you mean what's underneath the underwear right yeah well i mean like probably say with a little more seriousness than than that maybe anyway i love it it was cool and he says that uh all that was part of scp so it was in scp so he put it in long stairs and since it was long stairs it's an herb and um i i was like i had a little bit of like ah i thought this was like a cool original thing because i hadn't read that in that scp i guess uh but i guess you know they, they, there's nothing new anywhere and everything's a remix which is not entirely true but I, I shouldn't feel sad just because that one thing was borrowed you know on the plus side putting in a self-aware character in a story referencing the scp origins is maybe original that's true if you can't reinvent the wheel you can at least roll it down a new hill right exactly that's a that's a good way of putting it yeah, yeah i just made it up I, nice i don't know um so <laughs> There, I mean, I, don't, I did take a lot of notes of this chapter, mainly because it was a lot of just like guessing about how the schema works and then explaining how it works, which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. But mm-hmm. uh, I pulled out this quote about it. Um, June just says, I groaned and then Ugh, that's so unnecessarily convoluted and well laughed. It is. It's the price you pay for trying to mess with the library. And this sounds just like as twisty and confusing as possible which it's fun mm. to watch them puzzle out but like i didn't even try to contribute to any of it like while right. you know pausing and thinking about stuff so yeah it wasn't but like I, a puzzle that we the reader were presented with so we i don't there's don't think there's anything we could have done anyway yeah you're right we couldn't test stuff you know the number of periods in the book or whatever how the hell are we supposed to guess that um right yeah so i just like how june kind of reflected my um my thoughts on it. It's like, that's so, con- you know, unnecessarily convoluted. Something mm-hmm. to do with how like the library handles duplicates or something. And I'm like, yeah, that it sure sounds like a mess. Fuck this place. <laughs> but um, yeah. he's asked if he's like Uther and he dodges, but he's thinking like, I don't know why I should keep it secret, but Raven wants me to. And I had to raise an eyebrow at that. Like he doesn't see a reason to keep it quiet. You know, some of the folks who found out wanted to kill you and succeeded in killing someone close to you. I, I say, keep a lid on that shit. <laughs> you know, if if I didn't think I was strong enough to defeat, our, our, uh, you know, Uther's second coming, maybe yeah. I would just leave the library, walk him out, and then leave him halfway between Arab and the library. Ooh. You know, I mean, I wouldn't even have to punch him to death. I could just like, oh, watch this, and then you'll starve out here. You know, it, nothing I, would work because I think he'll survive no matter what, but worth a shot. It hadn't occurred to me that that was a possibility to, like, leave someone in the void between worlds. It might not be, but he had to leave his eyes closed and hold Raven's hand the whole way. So yeah, it's true. Oh, somebody guess... pointed out that he was T posing when he arrived in the library. Yes, yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, um, that was all. Yeah, no, 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 that's cool. I, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I guess I'm not as concerned about revealing who he is because it seems to have worked out pretty well for him so far. But I guess, like you said, there was the whole attempted murder and killing the love of your life thing that happened. So, yeah, maybe maybe he should take a clue from that and not be quite so blasé about the info. Like maybe Arthur Uther had it right. Well, I think there's there's a balance. You tell the people you trust and you don't tell everyone else. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, he seems to not have told anyone. Yeah. You you pulled out that bit about when June reports to Raven about how um, that goblin tried to take him down the wrong path and he thought that it was an ambush. Mm-hmm. Raven was like, oh, well, that's because he lived a life like Uther's. He was like that, too, in the beginning. And it's like, it's not paranoia if people really are out to get you. You're right. Yeah, it's not paranoia if people really are trying to kill you. That's just healthy coping. But, you know, it is a little worrisome because it seems to imply that June might be on the same path of being broken by Arab that Arthur was forced down. Because he's, you know, only been here, what, a few months? And he's already, people are noticing the parallels of like, oh, yeah, you're all kind of jumpy and paranoid like like Uther was. So uh, maybe give him another 40 years here and he's going to start being hard to recognize as well that's a good catch on that parallel i didn't notice that i think because his entire party would do the same thing well mm. half of them you know emerilis uh, grack and val in half her moods definitely fen would have been you know yeah. careful about being led down an alley yeah yeah solace wouldn't care the doe doesn't know where it is and bethel would be the alley so <laughs> yeah she, she wouldn't have anything to worry about yeah Anyway, really not much else in this chapter. I agree with June that the perks of library magic better be super duper awesome since they're pointless outside this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless this is going to become like a fixture of the rest of the book, then, you know, he's going to get a ton out of being here and then leave and never come back. And next time he levels up to re-roll like his, what is it? Redistribute his skills. Um, mm-hmm. He's knocking library magic off because he already got everything he needed. So. Yeah, I would assume so too. Especially because it seems to be the the um the pattern of this game where you go to an area once and then you don't really come back to it, with the exception now of their home base, which you know a lot of video games have where you keep always coming back to the home base, but uh I you don't return to old uh zones that often. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean he they haven't visited one place again. I mean Amaryllis and Val briefly went back to Baron Jewel, but that doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, you know, it was not the protagonist and it was off camera. So, um, mm-hmm. well, it was a little bit on camera. We we got to see that. Yeah, we, we got we got the POV, but he kept parenthetically saying, you know, I'm inserting all of my artistic liberty here. Right. Um, yes. But uh, there was just another funny beat when he tells Raven, oh, yeah, I should be, uh, you know, something like 12 years proficient by the end of tomorrow. And she sighs. And I'm assuming that's because it's a bummer to hear that some nerd gets to cheat his way through all those years of toil that you worked hard to do. Right. Or maybe <laughs> she was saying that it's going to take so damn long. Two whole days. Come on. Jesus. I brought you in here because you were the new Uther, not the new slow Uther. Right. <laughs> the Waru Theorio. I can't mix Wario and Uther. It doesn't work. Wuther. That's the best I could ever do. Uh, sounds, yeah. sounds dumb. But then again, Wario sounded dumb too. It really does. <laughs> Waluigi sounds even less creative, but you know they all—they're—they're they're all fixtures now. So, I thought Waluigi was absolutely terrible until I discovered that it's a pun in Japanese. Oh, I didn't know that. I That's just assumed that, that the the prefix "wa" meant something. Combining the Japanese adjective "waru" meaning bad, hence "bad Luigi." So, 
Warui or Warui. I'm, I don't know how to pronounce that, but Warui and Luigi together was Waluigi and Warui means bad. So I was half right because it's Wario and Mario are kind of the same name too. Yeah, but like the only thing with Wario is it just they turned the M upside down, right? So it was basically a pun in oh, English right. because yeah. it, it depends on knowing the, the Latin alphabet, I guess, that W is the upside down M. But uh, that Waluigi was a, a pun in Japanese. So that worked out pretty good and happened just to be a lucky circumstance of having the M turned upside down being a W thing. Very good. Yeah. Anyways, another Back to your regularly scheduled program, the abject despair of an uncaring world. <laughs> that does sound like a regularly scheduled Alexander Wales content. <laughs> um, it doesn't start off so bad, though. Lunch break. Yay! They, they've got this nutritious goop called Miraculous, and we learn after a fun little thing that it tastes and has the texture of whatever you're thinking about. Badass. Which, frankly, sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. It sounds like viscous, lumpy soylent that, well, before they described that it could take on the texture of whatever um it's basically he tries it and he's like oh it doesn't taste like anything really a lot of people say it tastes like uh chicken and then the next bite tastes and feels like chicken and he freaks out Mm. and then he's like oh okay i got the the hang of this and he goes for chocolate then uh twizzlers and then she whispers broccoli at him and it tastes like broccoli and (laughs) anyway that seemed like just some classic hazing i liked it um the I think this stuff is fucking awesome. Like, I already was in love with the idea of Soylent, and I was sad that it didn't work for me. If there was a Soylent that, in addition to being Soylent, also tasted like whatever you wanted, like, Jesus, man, that'd be the best thing in the world. And it's not like junk food. It is totally nutritious, even if it tastes like junk food. This this is life changer. It sounds awesome. The main downside. So then he says, you know, what if, what if uh, you know, you had said it tastes, what if someone said it tastes like snot? And then everyone's like, you know, spitting up with an earshot. And yeah. I was thinking that he could just reply, oh, I'm glad it's tasteless. A lot of people think, think it tastes like shit. And, <laughs> you know, A, that would have been, so been, been harmful hazing on their All part. Right. But uh, frankly, on the one hand, I'd love this stuff and would eat it three meals a day. On the other, I don't know if I have the mental discipline to never worry that it would taste like shit and that would completely ruin my day. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Because you'd be worried about it every time. So every time it would taste like shit. It'd be like, am I sufficiently believing hard enough that it's not going to taste bad? And I I would have to find whatever. It'd be like when Harry was running into the nine and three quarters wall. And he's like, wait a minute. If I'm believing that I can't run into it, but I know I'm tricking myself. Does that count as believing hard enough? (laughs) I wouldn't be tricking myself if I really believed it. Oh, shit. I'm going to crash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I I really liked what Raven uh, brought up when she walked in. She's like, you motherfuckers, we're librarians. We're like the Marines of the intellect. Everyone here should be able to eat Miraculous without being bothered by anything they hear. Uh, What was it? Words are symbols, and you should be able to dissociate symbols from meaning and prevent them from spurring trains of thought. Which, first of all, she was a total badass sergeant right there, and I loved it. But I, like, this totally feels like all those librarians are like rationalist martial arts masters or or at least striving to be you know and i think if we had something like miraculous in real world it would be like a great test to see if you get the next belt or level or whatever in a rationalist martial art is whether you can eat some miraculous and have people saying words like shit and snot and stuff near you and still be tasting and eating chicken i wonder 
you could always just lie and say it still tastes like chicken. Kind of like, you know, those people who can meditate themselves into a state where they don't respond to physical pain. Yeah, that's true. But maybe like someone could say bar of steel or something. And then the fact that you're not able to chew would hmm. prove that you thought of as bar of steel. You, sir, just sort of earned a notch in your belt of your dysfunctionalist martial arts dojo. I, that is a very clever solution. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Um, that's, that was great. Someday we will have us this dojo. Well, and we'll have this this food. I think it sounds awesome. Yeah, it does sound great. Although, I mean, I don't know if we'd ever quite have that food because it sounds like it depends on mind reading. I guess in a simulation we could have that food since it might be able to mind read. Maybe what I think Tasty Wheat tasted like actually tasted like uh, oatmeal or, uh, or tuna fish. That makes you wonder about a lot of things. Uh, you, you take chicken, for example, maybe they couldn't figure out what to make chicken taste like, which is why chicken tastes like everything. Uh, maybe they couldn't Shut figure out. Yeah, man. Robot simulation food can be hit or miss, I'm betting. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, they do what they can. They do the best they can with what they have, which is no taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Raven points out that she can count on one hand the number of times she slept in the last 500 years. And I, first of all, a few years ago, I would have think this sounds goddamned amazing. Uh, I still think it sounds amazing, but maybe like less so now because I get tired and, and the sleep is actually a relief. But up until a couple years ago, like this would have been the best thing in the world where I could have just gone nonstop all the time. You didn't get tired before? Uh, yeah, before my back injury, I would like, I mean, I would get tired in, in the fact that like, I have to sleep now. That kind of sucks. But like, if it wasn't for like being, being, um, just reaching the, the end of how long my body can go without sleep, I could have, I wouldn't have had a problem just going constantly without, without resting. Oh, I see what you mean. Like you needed to, you needed to, uh, to sleep in the same way you needed to eat, but like now you sleep because yes. you're worn out. Yes, exactly. Okay, now I'm actually like, oh God, I can't, I can't do more stuff today. I'm just going to lay down and like watch TV or read or something for a little while and might as well sleep because I know I'll be recharged in the morning when I'm done sleeping. Whereas, you know, before it'd be like, oh God, I can't keep working. I guess I got to go sleep now so I can get back to the good stuff. We'll find us. We'll find a happy balance. We will. Yeah. Someday when we have our cool ass robot bodies. Fingers crossed. It's Monday. I could, you know, the sooner the better. Totally. Uh, the, uh, the thing he is thinking about Raven is the fact that like both him and Arthur got to have Raven in, in like their world. Uh, and like Arthur obviously knew that she was Maddie's character. He had a bunch of other people, uh, that were, other other player characters uh characters other play characters other kansas people's characters and uh and june gets to thinking like one of the interesting things for him is comparing how much arthur and i had found Herb and uh which parts were meant for him and which parts were meant which parts were meant for arthur and which parts were meant for june because there's like a 500 year difference between them and like obviously it couldn't all have been just for arthur or just for june but there is some overlap and he's like trying to suss out where's the overlaps and i thought that was that was a cool little thing he was thinking about yeah i i just like that he got meta thinking about stuff because he usually deliberately avoids thinking about it yeah, uh yes he does yeah he doesn't want to think about that nature of stuff which i can totally understand but how do you not be curious about it you know is this history rewriting itself and messing with my memories is this you know 
somebody who knew me and Arthur putting us through all this. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, he kind of like recenters and finds like something to latch onto. And he's asks her if she ever wore cat ears Mm. and she's like, Oh yeah, I wanted to be animalia, but I haven't worn cat ears in at least 20 years. Hmm. And I, I was curious if you thought at least 20 years was like a joke, Mm -hmm. you know, in the same way that like Julius Caesar has been dead for at least 70 years. Um, well, I mean, she, she might not be like because uh, I think your note was like how can her librarians take her seriously if she's wearing cat ears? Like maybe it wasn't. I I have both a tail and cat ears that I occasionally wear out when I go dancing because they're super fun. But I don't wear them to like work or to book club or anything. <laughs> so like maybe she just did something like that where she has a pair of cat tails which or cat ears which she'll like put on when she goes out dancing or something. That makes sense. Okay. Assuming that she ever has fun. But yeah, I, I assumed for some reason it was like a 24-7 thing. Well, maybe and that's why she said at see... least 20 years because she hasn't had any fun in 20 years. That could be, yeah. But then I'm thinking like, all right, my boss looks like a child and is wearing cat ears. Like, how do, how am I supposed to be taking orders from her? Um, but yeah, yeah, if it was just a, you know, on the weekends kind of thing, then yeah, go nuts. If your boss was a child and wore cat ears, but also rolled with Uther and could kick your ass, you might take him seriously. Oh, I still would, but it would just, it would require conscious effort, at least for the first, you know, while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eventually, after 20 years of cat ear, cat ear wearing, you get used to it. Totally. All right. Okay. So, I, the, the next morning, this Davy Jones looking motherfucker shows up, and it's so much worse. as i was reading this i'm just like oh god i forgot like wales pulls his punches and he just he did like a quick one two on how bad this is and uh it just gross i'm i'm not even gonna it's not like you don't want to talk about how their (laughs) their unfertilized sperm are suckling from nipples on his face yeah basically (laughs) okay yes it's it's gnarly um but if you ignore how horrifying this guy is, he brought some cool books, which were also yeah. horrifying. Yes. Although in a different way. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, so they summarized the most successful attack on Felseed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, a reminder that they can keep books from alternate futures with certain entads, which was cool. Because I forgot that, like, I, ju- I just assumed all the future books vanished every time the library got shuffled. Yeah, me too. Which they kind of do, but there are entads to preserve them. Yes, and so they they, they happen awesome. to yeah they happen to cross a book about a very nearly successful fell seed. Well, there's no idea how close to, close to successful it was, but mm-hmm. um, apparently one of the big things involved was like getting over the normal limitations on collective warding by having them all submit to an entity known as Thargox. Mm-hmm. And my comment was, "Oh, I know Thargox. Hi, Thargox." <laughs> just like solace that was great <laughs> yeah, yeah but this guy's only mentioned go- in one book ever yes and, well that they found secret entity yeah yeah and we've already like managed to meet him and have a conversation and you know know that he's friends with solace so yeah we, we're <laughs> in on some secret stuff in there but it's pretty cool small giant world yep uh speaking of giantness the fell seat exclusion zone is the biggest one it is eighty-two thousand square miles and they need to be eradicated of all life down to the like smallest reproducing molecule uh, to, to get, rid of fel- get rid of Felseed. And June at that point realizes that Felseed really can't be beat. And it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I don't know how big of an 
how big an explosion a nuke makes, but they're going to need a lot. It's, um, it's I mean, 82,000 square miles. Jesus. The other thing, it kind of makes you wonder why they even think that would work. Maybe someone understands how the Felseed magic works, and it's just not been told to us yet. Um, so if and when June beats him, it's obviously not going to be by eradicating every germ in an 82,000 square mile area, right? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So how big is that? The largest nuclear bomb ever detonated on Earth, that Tsar bomb, or Tsar Bomba, uh, created an explosion that destroyed everything in a nearly 22-mile radius. So, yeah, what's what's a 22-mile radius in square footage? Uh, You're going to... Yeah, pass. It's a lot. We're going to need a lot of bombs. It is 138 miles. A 138 square mile. Oh, I should have been able to round that out. Yeah, radius, because, yeah, sure. Pi squared. Yeah. All right. I remember math. It's been a long time. Hi, math. <laughs> hey. But, yeah, um, that that would take that would take a fuck ton of nukes. So when and if June beats Felseed, it's as I suspected. He's not going to do it by going through the front door and killing this guy, right? It's going to be, mm-hmm. he's going to cheat. And that's, it's going to have to be, yeah. There's, there's no other way. Like, you can't do it by physically destroying him. Yeah. Especially because they even managed to physically destroy the dude using all sorts of mana cheats, and then he survived anyway. Bunch of cheaters. Fucking man. They brought in one of the gods to go walk through there and make sure that nothing living, was living in the zone. Yeah. And I totally forgot about the gods because they never come up. Right. And so, A, June needs to go start bothering some gods, like, sooner rather than later. And B, it's kind of like the argument that persuaded the Ents to get involved in the War of the Ring. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are part of this world. Do you not care if it falls apart? Apparently I mean, the se- gods don't give a shit. They seem to not to because they said, like, they managed to somehow get a god off his butt. And all he did was confirm there was no living thing in the zone. Like, he didn't even do anything aside from giving <laughs> them a confirmation. Yeah, great. Thanks, guy. They they don't seem to they have human compatible thought processes or something. That's just rude. Not yeah. not that they're not that not that they're not human compatible. That's not on them. But like, right. you know, you don't have to be human compatible to b- worry that literally everyone everywhere is going to die. I mean, maybe they don't care. Maybe like this place would be better off if everybody was dead. Rawr. Yeah, maybe. Then, and we, we can better go meet back one of these to doing our god stuff. Well, yeah. maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. If we, if we I mean, go, all- kind of like with talking with Uther, if we go the whole book without talking to a god, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be. A little, a little miffed. I mean, Amaryllis met too before she was what seventeen. Yes, yes, she so, did. So you know, granted, she's special, but mm. it means that they're not impossible to reach. Yeah. So they need to go do that and at least ask what's up, um, or give me a good reason why they're not doing that. Right. Uh, maybe they're very touchy and they'll kill him, but just tell us that. Um, Ooh. Oh, now I wonder if Amaryllis like had other people with her who didn't survive when she went to meet the gods. Mm, I feel like if the god wants to kill you you die i think that she probably went by invitation or you know uh she was with special people or something but yeah. i doubt like she narrowly escaped right uh, well maybe like the god just killed the the person that brought her there and was like yeah go away kid everybody <laughs> gets <I'd>, one yeah <laughs> right you are beneath me to even bother with go go tell other people what you have seen here if you bother my slumber again bad things happen I'm desperately curious what the gods are all about. Yeah. Um, so the only real thing on this was my my takeaway from all that Felsey stuff is 
it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that like Arthur could just go bad and do right. Um, I don't know. Oh, he would, it, he would need to find a brand new type of magic that then gets excluded, I guess. So that, that's, that's what, that's the thing. So Felsey isn't, um, an excluded person. It's the entity mm-hmm. wielding an excluded magic. Yes. Yes. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Which is like the only hint we have about him. Um, up until this point, I thought it was a person. Uh, so, well, an entity is like a person, right? No, yeah, not necessarily. But, um, like the gods are entities, but I'm not sure the gods count as persons. No, no, no. But like, there's you know the the guy who got so op at farming that he got excluded, right? Um, yeah. But farming magic is still allowed, just not him. Um, there was that Zorian from uh, Mother of Learning exclusion zone, right? Hmm. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the excluded people, a lot of the excluded things are exclu- are excluded persons. And that's what I assumed Felseed was, but Felseed is an excluded magic like glass magic. And it's just fell or rather Felseed is the entity wielding that magic within that EZ. It could be both because Doris Finch is both a person and a zone. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was going to say like we could sit and speculate about possible weaknesses, but I honestly have nothing unless you, you know, have anything that can spur my thoughts. I mean, Davy Jones's only idea when asked if how, how he would do it, he was like, well, I would uh, try something new or try harder at some not new things. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not very handy. Yeah, great. That's 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 not a great plan, but we appreciate your effort. Thanks for thanks for your attendance. Uh, I would either do something or not do something. <laughs> well, but well, he sits there. He makes it sound smart. He's like, oh, his weaknesses are unclear, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Every attempt at killing him has failed, whether it be poison, radiation, kinetics, acid, blah, 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 blah. Um, nothing has worked. So if I were putting my full effort into killing him, I'd try something, I'd try something that hasn't been tried in the past or scale up efforts where they seem to hold promise. And it's like, that's that's not an answer. <laughs> right? He's like, I would not do the exact same thing that has been proven not to work. Yeah, I would try, just I like, would try something new, maybe. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. Not a, not a bad or, plan, sure. Or or try harder at something that almost worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Galaxy brain over here. Yeah. Well, what can you expect? He's got a bunch of sperm sucking on his face. Yeah, it's probably exhausting. <laughs> Being that disgusting. Uh, let's go to chapter one thirty one. A Cypress waits. The chapter that fucked us up. Oh man, this this is where stuff got heavy. You know, the first two again fun, but just not a lot to talk about. Uh, this is this is all the all the big stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the the really heavy thing, I pulled out this thing that uh, Raven's talking about her librarians and say the people here, they have a sort of obsessiveness that I identify with. They're trying to save the world. And that that library really strikes me as the kind of place that Miri or various EA organizations would be like, both in the fact that they're like super nerdy, like all about the the books and the reading and the application of brain stuff. And also that they're, you know, kind of obsessive and trying to save the world. And it just seems, just seems like a really cool place. Yeah. That combined with the fact that you, I think correctly pointed out that a lot of it feels like rationalists techniques. It's uh, I feel like the parallels are probably intentional. Yeah. Uh, there. And she also says that there are people who very, or not she, but uh, June observes that uh, these people are people who very obviously love the schema for the schema's sake who care about the books and the timelines and all sorts of other stuff because they're, they're just total hardcore nerds. They just want to exploit the rules and learn the rules. Nerds. Mm-hmm. But good for them. Yeah, I approve. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, 
I enjoyed it, but I just didn't have any effort into um, trying to even really grok it while they were describing all the stuff. I was like, okay, they understand it. That's good enough for me. Um, mm-hmm. They talked about, uh, in, I forget, some some random terms that I'm pretty sure are Googleable here on Earth that I didn't bother looking up. Because I'm just like, all right, yeah, fair enough. You guys get it. I'll take your word for yeah. it. <laughs> right. That, again, that doesn't we, mean I didn't enjoy reading about it. I just didn't have the stamina to try and chase it myself. Exactly. It's like this, this, if I was more interested in it, I could go down this rabbit hole, but I'm not. So I'm going to just keep reading the story because I love the story. Yeah. Maybe later on. And there are people, yeah, there are people who will really love that sort of thing and will Google more and get wrapped up in that and maybe make a great career out of it or something. And years later, we'll write back to uh, Alexander being like, hey, you, you sent me down this course with this book of yours. Thanks. Yay. Yeah. But let's get to the the real meat of this of uh Cy- a Cypress Waits which is the name of the books I guess cuz she puts out a new edition every year that um that Amaryllis writes to June uh once every year. And the first one that she wrote is also the first one he finds where she says I hope that you're able to find this book otherwise none of what I've been doing will mean anything to anyone. I'm going to be here in this future that won't matter until the end of the world. It's been a few months now, long enough that I know you're not coming back, which means that what I'm experiencing right now must be the future that the library is predicting rather than actual reality. It feels real to me. And I mean, this beat us hit several times over in the course of the chapter and in the various books, but this part was a mindfuck to me when I first read it. And like, and still is, I guess, because I hadn't, I hadn't expected to like the, he jumps in the library and suddenly the entire future is like played out and people actually live that future. Like, I don't think it did it actually happen. He's only been in here a couple days. So it's not like that future all happened, but, but if the library is predicting what all of history will have been, if it continued on from the moment Juniper, Juniper entered the library and, you know, taken the books that would have been written from that point, like, since we already know this is a simulation, the easiest way to do that would just to make a separate save file right now for Juniper and then run Airb all the way through until the end of time and take all the books printed in that run and put them in the infinite library in the save file and then restart the save file. Which, if that is what's done, means that basically the entire universe went on forever while June was on pause and then was erased at the end of it. And like, I don't know. Is that mass murder by the DM that he just runs all these people and the world and then erases them just for to make this library for Juniper? Like, is the C- Cypress Amy dead? Does, does what she go through not count because it was all erased? I don't know. I wasn't sure how many rhetoricals you're asking until I didn't want to interrupt and answer the first one. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, go, go ahead. No, I mean, I at, from taking it from the top, I mean, you know, I... She opens it all pragmatically, you know, hope you find this book. Otherwise, none of this fucking matters. And so mm-hmm. just super pragmatic. Um, but the line, it feels real to me, is its own line on in, in the text. And that sent shivers down my spine when I read that because, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, it, all of this, I don't know what to say about it. I feel like it's as real as anything else going on here, right? Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's no – what is – I mean, like she must have been simulated at least long enough to write that, right? 
Or, you know, if she's just full on 100% emulatable by the DM, then it could just be um, that, you know, he um, modeled her mind well enough to write these books, you know, but like write them himself. But I don't, that doesn't feel like the answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it really feels like they did run the world because she goes through all this experimentation and talks about like all the other, what the other companions are doing and the fallout of how things finally end. Like it, it feels like the whole thing was run. Yeah. And they, you know, so like the easiest way, I think they talk about this to like simulate library books would just be to like have them basically empty until, you know, someone opens it and has to render the content of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the library could just not exist until you're around the corner. Right. Um, right. But they've taken information from the books and done stuff to the real world, apparently in the past. Yeah. And so it's, it's real enough to do that sort of thing. So yeah, something like that's happening. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, this person, this version of Amaryllis actually existed and had a life. Right. Right. That that is my my understanding as well. My emotional impression, I guess. I don't know. Whatever you would call it, it feels real to me. That's yep. I think I use that line later in the notes too. Um, <laughs> so so like then do the does her life not count and not matter because it was erased or 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 is the DM like a murderer of of Amaryllis and I guess of everybody? Um. Or does it not count as murder if you erased and ran the clock back? (laughs) I don't know how to define murder that way. Um, I still feel like you're probably doing something wrong, but not under like traditional definitions of wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. But I still wouldn't do it and I'd tell other people not to do it. Um, Like, I don't know what you mean by like her life mattering. It sure seems like she helped people and accomplished a lot. But she didn't because then it was all erased. If 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 it's not murder to have done this, then none of that murdered, then none of that mattered because the only way it could not be murder is because it's okay because it was erased and it never really happened, and then none of what she did mattered, right? Because it never really happened. Maybe I think I'm I'm running on this in my head like just um like alternate universes. Mm-hmm. You know, it the the universes running parallel to our own are as real as this future is to June right now, right? Sure, but the universes running parallel to our own actually exist, whereas does does this one still exist if it's erased? This one seems to have existed. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think people get fuzzy in the head when they think about, like, meaning. Like, do, did this life have meaning? Yeah. But, you know, if it, it sounds like she accomplished a lot. She helped a lot of people. She did a lot of good. Um, people were made better from that. Uh it's unclear how far this future ran before it stopped, but none of that stuff didn't happen just because they deleted the universe. Um, so did the I, things that that um, Bill Murray's character does in Groundhog Day not actually happen? Or did they actually... Like, when he killed those people by running them into a train on the train tracks, is he still guilty of murder because they still died that day, even though it got rewound the next day? I mean, I wouldn't sentence him if I was the judge because those people are okay. <laughs> Um, but like, I liked in Palm Springs a lot where Andy Samberg's character didn't want to hurt people and Mm -hmm. didn't like it how J. Jonah Jameson kept shooting him and, you know, torturing him to death because Mm -hmm. he's like, no, the pain is real. Whether or not things rewind, like, that's not the point. The point is they're, they're in pain and they don't want you to do it. Um, Well, if, if you're going to say that it's okay that he ran them into the train because those people are 
fine and you wouldn't convict him, then wouldn't it be okay for Amaryllis to do like Nazi style experiments on people because they're actually okay in the real universe that June is going to be in? I'm not saying it's okay that he murdered those people, but I'm saying that like I, as a judge here on earth where time just does the one thing, I don't feel like I would have grounds to sentence him on. In -hmm. fact, the people who he murdered would probably show up in court and be like, no, Bill's great. Don't kill him. Don't put him in jail. And so what I'm going to sentence them, sentence him for their murders. They're here defending him. Um, so if if Amaryllis now, would have again, tortured that's, and murdered that's, someone, that's just the convolutions of the law. So like I guess okay. I got hung up on that part. Like it still was wrong. Um, okay. If Amaryllis were to, you know, they did some heinous science. You know, they did send a non-anima to fell seed. Um, yeah. But, yeah. They they like aged one up real fast in the time chamber, which must have been a horrible childhood, and then sent it it him her whatever into fell seed zone to be. I guess tortured forever since that's what Felseed seems to do with people. And I don't yeah, know. It I, it feels like that that she did the right thing because she got more information and then that universe is ex- erased and so it didn't matter that person I don't know. I get hung up on this. This is the exact same thing that happened with me for uh, the first 15 lives of Harry August because that also has extremely long universe spanning time loops and I also didn't know what to do with all that. Like, how I should feel about it. I mean, I think Amaryllis's decisions that she made in her timeline here, she did with the understanding of, like, we're never going to get the good ending because, mm-hmm. or she did with the belief, rather, that we're not going to get the good ending because June's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, I will just try and collect data. And she didn't, you know, she wasn't as ruthless as she could have been, which is awesome. I want to talk about most of what she said here. But, like, you know, the, the non-anima experiment is the kind of thing that she might have done in the, if we want to use the phrase, one true timeline, because the utilitarian math played out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the same reason she would bash June's brain in with a hammer, if it would save the world, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think it was the fact that she's like, aha, I'm finally cut loose by moral constraints because I'm in my own universe and none of this matters. In fact, she explicitly says the opposite in her last book, and or the last one we read anyway. Um, well, she says that she wishes she had cut loose her moral constraints because now that she's reaching the end of the universe, she realizes that it doesn't much matter. And the only thing that did matter was sending information to June in the real universe. So she should have just gone all Nazi scientist and done anything that needed to be done to give him more info. Yeah, I think that she says something along the lines of like, um, I part of me thinks I should have. Um like throwing out my morals or something. I'll have to find the exact line, but uh, uh, a sec, let me scroll down. I, I found it here. It says, I wouldn't say that I've been weak, but I've indulged from time to time, particularly in petty morality. Hmm. A Betty, a better Amaryllis might have ripped apart the worlds to get it at secret or authorized the source of experiments that would have made the second empire queasy. Um, yeah, you're right. She does come down pretty unequivocally saying I crossed lines a great many of them, but I wish I'd crossed more because these books are all that will remain of me when I go. Um, I, I disagree. And I feel like the Amaryllis in the moment of the last century here on, you know, Arab B, um, she felt this, she felt the same way. It's like, no, yeah, sure. All this will get erased anyway. But I mean, it's the same reason you and I don't go on murder rampages, you know, even though, uh, we can expect at some point maybe to die. Right. Like, well, yeah, so, but I, I think that things matter because the, what I do is not going to get erased. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's quite the existential question, isn't it? And I don't know how mm. 
articulate my thoughts are on it, which makes it hard to hard to uh, give a solid answer. Like part of me thinks of it, like I said, like alternate universes here, but those presumably run indefinitely, except for all the ones that don't. Um, I I still don't think that a universe being stopped or deleted or whatever erases any meaning. Maybe we can't use the word. Maybe we need to taboo the word meaning. Okay. Um, because I I feel like again. People still had fun. They still learned. They loved. They conquered. They suffered. They, you know, whatever. Wrote plays, climbed mountains, all the things. I mean, you say they did. And I guess from one point of view, they did. But from a different point of view, they didn't because it was all undone. Like, time was rewound. It didn't actually happen. Ah, okay, yeah. I'm glad that that does bring me, I think, I'm closer to understanding yeah, without all this meaning talk in there. The, the the fact is, like, the question... So I think what you're trying to get at, or we're trying to get at, is, like, was this real? Maybe we yeah. need to taboo real next. But I, <laughs> I like the Groundhog Day loop example. Um, you know, maybe out of boredom, after 5,000 years in the Groundhog Day, I might Westworld my way through somewhere. But I would have to have gone insane for that to happen. Um I don't know what I spend most of the time doing. Probably going insane. So I don't know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the I would still have an intuition that again may not be based in anything. That anything I do here, it still makes people happy or it doesn't. And then yes, the next day for me, that happiness just starts over, and it never happened for the for the new person. But I still feel like it was a good thing. Okay. I don't know. But is it a good know. thing because you you feel? good about having done it that's definitely part of it you know so bill became a better person through the groundhog day loop by whatever doing it a lot right um so part of it is that like it's the kind of thing a good person would do so like just kind of like a virtuous life but i would still want to think that every time that he caught that kid that fell out of the tree instead of breaking his leg he just landed safely Mm -hmm. that was one more time a kid didn't break his leg yeah and I feel like that's an unequivocal good, but again, things get weird when time, time goes wonky. So it's hard to say, um, you know, Amaryllis and, you know, it, it seems kind of like everybody, you know, they, they, they go about their lives more or less like they would have anyway. Um, Solace says something that you pulled out that I want to talk about too, but, um, yeah. maybe it's, maybe we can transition to that, but I don't want to shut down. Well, the whole, the whole chapter is going to be this existential talk anyway. So, yeah. Well then, then, yeah. Let's let's move on to the solace thing then, because I was just thinking of that too. Like solace withdrew. She she just kind of went into her tree and stopped bothering with the rest of the world and kind of not like fully a life of hedonism, but a life of like not caring about the world. And so, why should she do anything? It says solace uh, believed that the doom timeline was, if not pointless, then at least not worth putting maximal effort into. And like I kind of agree with solace. Because if I was living in a day or a year or a lifetime that I knew was going to be erased, I, I don't know why I would put effort into things anymore. I, and, and maybe this is just my narcissism because you said that like that kid does, doesn't have a broken leg one more time for however many hours of pain that would have been. And, and that's, that's, that's a really cool way of looking at it. But like, I also kind of feel like, Everything would feel kind of pointless. Anything that I work towards, any effort that I put into anything, what does it matter? It's all just going to have not happened. Yeah. You know, honestly, when I put myself in like a 
reflective mood about it. The fact that Solace was the one that was like, eh, this is pointless. This timeline's doomed and walked away. The fact that she was the one who said that, not anyone else. Like, I believe that out of Grack or Val. Mm-hmm. But that's not a very Solace thing to say. That makes it seem like all of these books are made up. Like these universes were never even ran. You don't but think that Solace would have done that? I don't think so. Like, it doesn't... A, it's not like A, the rational thing, but that's not really her thing. But right. it's also just not her style. You know, so like Amaryllis well, is doing me- the rational thing. She She's doing experiments and writing down the results. You know, yeah. she they could... They never explain what happens to the dough in this timeline. Um, sure. They could have tried everything to get it out and then written down all the stuff that didn't work, right? What, what um, do you think Solace is what she would have done is kick back and smoke a bowl and watch the clouds. Like well, that's basically what she, she did. She withdrew into the tree and just kind of hung out with her friend and smoked a bowl and watched the clouds. Cause it's that's, pointless. That's what she does now. I mean, maybe she's I mean, working yeah, but, a little harder now than she does usually, but I feel like that's her default state. Right. So, but I mean, that's, that's literally what she does in the doom timeline where she's like, Hey, I'm not putting any effort into anything. I'm just going to dude it up and not, not care about life since it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that Amaryllis characterized it as having been a relationship founded on mutual belief that, quote, the doomed timeline was, if not pointless, then at least not worth putting maximal effort into, which Mm -hmm. is why she found common ground with Heschnell. That was Amaryllis characterizing it that way about the doomed timeline. Solace didn't say, because this timeline is doomed, I'm going to do this. Because that doesn't sound like a very Solace thing to say. Yes, absolutely. I don't think Solace would have ever said any words like that. I think she would have just, like you said, kicked back and not bothered with things really and let the world end okay yeah when i re- when i read your note i forgot what the exact text was and i thought that solace said something about the doomed timeline i'm like that doesn't sound like something solace would worry about oh okay okay yeah doesn't sound like no, that's was, something that she's the least bit, least bit you know concerned with i was just taking you know amaryllis at, at her word that she was correct in thinking what solace's inner motivations were even if solace like wouldn't have said it or anything no totally and like what the the part that you pulled out was in a um you know a bullet point highlight speed run of some of the other books and yeah. it, so it wasn't even in Amaryllis's own words so we, it was twice diluted there um right but yeah it does remind me you i mean i i'm assuming despite the fact that we all think the dude is really awesome and a great character and would be fun to be around like the dude has basically in the big lebowski checked out of life right he, he's just waiting for life to be over and having a as chill a time as possible in the meantime yeah, I would hate to be the dude or to be like him. He's okay, yeah. Politely, he's he's a loser. Yes. Um, in, in, every, in every sense possible. of the word, except for he likes his life. Yeah, totally. And that's that's super important. And in fact, that's like the most dude thing ever, right? Yeah. But that's yeah, t- I mean, he lives in that shitty ass apartment and the his nicest possession was that rug that got pissed on. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that life is about stuff or a place to put it. But then again, I guess that's the dude way of living, right? Yeah. But he doesn't have a job and he walk he goes to the store in a bathrobe wearing flip flops. Right. So I don't know. You know, it's he doesn't give a shit about anything and I feel like giving a shit is part of a good life, but you know there's he kinda gives a shit about um his Walter. rug. <laughs> his rug, yes. But he seems to give a shit about Walter. Yeah, he cares bit. about his friends, you're right. No. Um Yeah, no, nah, fair point. So yeah, Solace is dude I mean he wouldn't care if the universe was doomed, right? Yeah. Yeah goddamn nihilists um, <laughs> oh damn I, I never i never quite put that together but yeah the dude is a total nihilist i i don't know if he is or not well i guess walter's giving the nihilists a hard time right yeah 
Or wait, which one says say what you want, but at least it's Nethos? It's Walter. Yeah. Okay. But then then who was it that, that cursed them? It might have been the dude then, right? Well, they pissed on his rug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. he would curse them. Yeah, fair enough. You know, it, I don't know. That movie's a trip if you haven't seen it. Um, mm. And if you have, it's, I don't know, it's hard to rewatch. It's not the best movie ever. It's it's interesting, and I get why it's stuck around. But this isn't the Lebowski podcast. No, it's not. Although I feel the exact opposite. I don't know. After like the third musical sequence, it just gets really repetitive for me. Well, I mean, but, you can fast forward the musical sequences. It was just, it was a movie that like, when I first watched it, I was like, this is it? What's the big deal? I don't understand. Why does everyone love this? And like, I didn't bother with it again. But like, I somehow got exposed to it another couple times. And I generally don't believe in things growing on people. But like this movie, like it really grew on me. And it actually felt better each time I saw it. Like it just got better with repetition, which is fucking weird. But guess it is what it is. Well, you've, you've convinced me to give it another shot. I think I've only watched it from start to finish once. But I've seen yeah. the contents of the movie a couple, three times. So oh, that's not I'll the correct s- way to watch it. I mean, you know come and go or something but i have seen it cover to cover once i'll try that again all right um but yes on to this thing that we are actually talking about yeah let's let's move through just some of the parts that we wanted to pull out and then we'll keep touching on all the existential angst how's that sound sure butterfly magic is excluded which was really fucking hilarious (laughs) i think we both pulled it out because it's amazing (laughs) yes and butterfly mages were capable of altering probabilities holy shit that's a cool ability it involved actual butterflies yes (laughs) so that's funny because he mentions butterfly effect and raven's like hold up that's not allowed he's like wait (laughs) go on (laughs) yes butterfly magic was a probability thing i I just thought that was hilarious it was great yes their magic consisted of carrying around cages of butterflies and letting them loose at different times (laughs) Mm -hmm. um uh amaryllis says that when she's writing these these uh books she's always condensing them down so that you know i guess not taking up too much a june's time or something but she says i find myself reducing chapters down to pages and pages down to paragraphs then paragraphs down to single sentences until finally the sentence gets removed and it's like it never was and i i like that kind of it hurt when, for a second when i read that and i was trying to figure out why and eventually i was like that's that's a metaphor for doomed timeline amaryllis's entire existence that she just keeps like she has this entire life and that's reduced to some books and those are reduced to some pages that we read. And then most of the books were reduced to like single line summaries and a lot of those got removed. Like Amaryllis's life just got removed like this. It was it was harsh. Yeah, that's a damn good catch. I didn't uh, pick up on that. Um, I kind of just took it like here's how I succinctly distill down to the most important parts. But mm-hmm. but you're right when it when. When she says, once that sentence gets removed, it's like it never was, because this text is all that remains of that universe, right? So it's like, yeah, since I didn't write about it, no one's ever going to know that it happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... And if June doesn't keep any copies of it around, then then it'll be gone, like it never was at all. You know, he and Raven have a long argument about that, Mm -hmm. and it's not like he can't remember the contents of the book. Yeah. Like, sure, not Memories word for word, all leaky, of it, though. but, yeah. like, he will have a memory of Amaryllis B, who existed in an alternate dimension. But seriously, dude, like, I could come back to you in two weeks and be like, hey, do you remember what you read in this chapter? And, like, how much do you think you would legitimately be able to relay to to Amaryllis? Like, this is what you wrote. I mean, my knowledge hovers around, like, a three. His is, what, seven or eight? 
well, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he's got he's got he's got bullshit stuff that lets him memorize stuff real easy. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, the average person, yeah, you wouldn't be able to memorize most of these books, but I feel like he probably retained almost all of all of them. Mm. But speaking of, I think it must be the second book, maybe. But um, she says that uh, these. Oh no, it must be some later book because the like this. These prefaces are or have become an indulgence. This is my yearly time to reflect on you. I stopped making the morning modifications to myself earlier this year. It surprised me how strong the trend toward the old baseline was. You were the love of my life, and you slipped through my fingers like sand. Damn. I know, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I think we, you pulled this out later on in a longer, like, and he thinks about it too, but um, when I take my notes, I had to pause and think about does he tell her that future her said she felt this way? Yeah. Um, this is before I realized that bringing the books was an option. And so, in fact, I think it was before she left herself like her first coded message. Yeah. Um, it, you know, deliberate levity for it. I was like, you know, that sounds like some lame ass pickup artist technique. Hey, I read a book from the ultimate future that said you, I was love of your life. So let's fuck. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe if you don't have those last two words on, it wouldn't be quite as bad. <laughs> <laughs> especially considering their history and stuff but yeah they, they have rapport she'll believe him uh, yeah but yeah it's just funny uh was this near the end it doesn't matter but she says um as for you juniper know that i love you there's a part of me that wants to be soppy and romantic and say that i'm doing all of this for you but of course the truth is that i'm doing my best to keep my world alive and i would smash your head in with a hammer if it would accomplish hmm. that you always liked that about me didn't you yeah and that just felt so genuine like a perfect character moment for her and mm-hmm. it it doesn't sound the least bit like it's not true love because it is mm-hmm. it's just yeah. she has uh scope and who knows maybe you know she just keeps saying to herself like i'm the kind of person who would hit him with a hammer to save the world but she couldn't bring herself to do it right That's, that might be an interesting yeah. moment if she's ever put in a situation like this will she sacrifice him for the greater good you know oh, that would be an awesome ending she wants to be the kind of person who would but maybe she can't I do like how she is the kind of person who can bring herself to punch a, a young crying girl. Yes. Yeah. This, this, I know we've talked about like various possible bad endings, but like if the ending was she had to like kill June to save the world, that would be a fantastic ending, in my opinion. The DM just shows up and hands her a pistol and says, if you shoot him, you get to be the DM. <laughs> and if well, not, maybe, uh, maybe not quite like hell. that. That would be super lame. It would be, but I guess it would be great if we wanted to see the moment for Amaryllis. Maybe if that was like a a one-off nightmare that we get or something from her point of view, but mm-hmm. where she feels the stakes are real. I don't know. Um, oh yeah, no, this was one of the later books. She says, I don't want you to think that I'm not happy. If I remember, if I'm remembering you right, you might blame yourself for leaving me in the situation. And this was her 50 years later. Okay. So she's still writing to him. And she says, if I remember you correctly, you might blame yourself for leaving me in the situation. She's like trying to remember this guy that she knew for like a few months, 50 years ago. Yeah. And man, first of all, I don't know if the me of 50 years from now, I'll be able to model the me of now well enough to like, into like we'll, we'll remember enough to model me correctly. But mm-hmm. I suspect maybe, but obviously I don't know, but man, how insane would it be? You know, after 50 years, how do you just not convince yourself that you were just tripping for, you know, a few months that summer of, you know, whatever, 528 or whatever year this was, right? Wow, it's it's hard to sustain a drug trip for that many months. 
Oh, it was really, I mean, I'm just thinking 50 years hence, you're like, maybe it was just a really long weekend, you know, but there's, there's echoes of the magic that they had, I guess. That's, that's the main clue. She even brings right. that up. She still has, yeah. yeah, she still has spirit magic. I, I mean, I'm really, I, I, it feels, I don't know. It's depressing that 50 years after the fact, she still thinks of him as like the love of her life, this person that she knew for a few months. And I mean, I, I, I can see that they're there. I don't know. Like you, you never fully get over anyone, right? It just doesn't hurt as much. But, but man, that's still kind of depressing that she's still that hung up on him after all this time. On the other hand, she is like writing these things to him every year, and everything she's doing in this universe is explicitly for him. Like he's got to be on her mind constantly. It's not like she got much of a chance to get over him. The other thing too is that I think there are impression that she just was essentially asexual before. Until mm-hmm. she either talked herself into trying to love him or the DM nudged her. Yeah. But I don't think that like she turned down other opportunities for true love just because she was hung up on this kid she knew when she was a teenager. Right. I think that... I mean, she's been with Palada for like 10 years, it sounds like, before they broke up. Oh, I didn't remember the breakup part. But the... Oh, yeah, she left, I think. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that it was uh, like she only ever had feelings for one person, right? So, like, if, I... she, if, if she turned on her emotions again that let her have feelings or love it would only be for the one person and it was june like maybe it just wasn't a generalized thing for her yeah yeah it's true but it is it makes me think of water woman you know she's all hung up on uh <laughs> chris pine yeah she knew him for a few days several decades ago right <laughs> at least amaryllis has an excuse you know she's in, her entire world still revolves around juniper yeah yeah it's a and he's a more remarkable person than uh, fucking Chris Pine. Yeah, I think his I mean, name is also Steve in that in those movies. And given okay. that he does the exact same thing that Steve Rogers does in Captain America, um, except without the living through it part, right? <laughs> except for that. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Looking back on this life uh, is weird. Yeah, I. Well, 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 let's push through, and then I've got a couple questions at the end here. So, sure. Uh, so she also mentions in this uh, final book of hers that the timeline isn't just doomed; it's been abandoned by the closest thing to a true god we ever had. Like she talks about how not only did the threats stop coming and escalating, it just kind of seems like the DM lost interest and wandered away and let the world continue on. And I mean, I think that's literally exactly what happened. And like. Geez, it's it's kind of got to suck to be abandoned by God just just a few months after you discovered that God actually does exist and does care about what happens. But I also think that this is like more evidence for the idea that um, the DM just let the simulation run and then took all the books that were written in the simulation and dumped them into the into June's Infinite Library because like he's not going to sit around and pay attention to that game and interact with it when June's not there. So he just like let it run without his presence, and and the people who knew that he had been there could tell the difference that now there was no god. Yeah, on the plus side, he stopped throwing monsters at him. Yeah, I mean that is the plus side. Yeah, it just has but, to feel. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I I hear you though. I mean, I on the one hand, I'd be relieved that the DM finally found something better to do than torture us, but mm-hmm. it would be it would be oddly... like being abandoned by an abusive parent while you're still a kid. Like, at least you aren't getting the beatings now by the parent. But on the other hand, you're a kid and the parent just fucking left. I haven't been through that kind of childhood, so I'm not 
clear to speculate. Maybe I'd just be glad they're gone. But like, mm. it'd be kind of like learning that there was an actual God of our universe. And then he's like, eh, I'm bored. I'm going to go somewhere else. And you're like, yeah. but what What about us? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that would be, that stopped me in my tracks. It's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Bethel. So the backpack works. I, oh yeah. So that's like um, uh, the, this might be like the 50 year later one. I forget, but um, the only sign that the dungeon master, the only sign that he ever existed is the fact that Bethel's backpack magic still works and that they still have some of the soul synergy magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like mm-hmm. the, the functionality is stale, you know? So like, rather than getting back like custom notes or whatever, if they tried to grab a book from 2020, it's just a boring no on legal pad. Um, yeah, it feels very like, much like just a quick look up and then rejection. It's just or, a scripted response. Yeah. Yeah. If thing after this date respond with no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. None of this like, ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Like I could totally see him doing that with a picture of Newman. Right. Yeah. Right. The, so we do find out that the way the world ultimately ends is that the void beast, uh, eats it. It makes way to, makes its way to Arab eventually. Uh, they did try to, they stalled it for quite a long time, redirecting it to other planes of existence. 16 of the elemental planes were completely, I don't know, it says are completely gone. I assume the Void Beast ate them, but I was like fucking impressed. Like, I, I don't even know what to think of this beast anymore. Like, it, is is it a beast? Is it like an elder god? Like, what exactly? But like, the fact that the Void Beast eats entire planes of existence is kind of badass. Very, yeah. very Lovecraftian vibes to me. Totally. I mean, it's, not, it's another one of those things that June you know, who can run a little faster and punch a little harder than your average guy. He's not able to stop this thing. Um, This, this is like, yeah, I beat the game 70, 70 hours ago and I've just been collecting high level loot since then. Right. Um, In earth time. I'm not sure if that amount to an Arab years, but um, yeah. So was was it clear that the void beast, I guess she doesn't say here's how the world ended, but it sounded like it was going to be the void beast. Um, it I was think, either that um, or the Raven, Hell's Uniting once Valencia died. I think Raven, it was one of those two. I think Raven confirms that like the the final book published was something along the lines like, oh God, the Void Beast is here tomorrow or something. Oh man. Imagine, especially if you knew that's how the library worked and you just yeah. like, you try to throw a couple pages together and just, you know, staple a cover to it so that it shows up in the library as you see it approaching. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, uh, yeah, maybe that's what's like I mean, being garbage could, collected if you're a computer program. You um, might be, yeah, right? You might be able to fight the Void Beast if, like, you get enough magic, new, unique magics and entads and find a way to, like, alter the planes and trap something in the void between the planes or something. It, I mean, there's there could be some way to do it. You're certainly not going to punch it to death, but there could be some clever, like, magical way to, to stop stop these elder gods as there usually is yeah it's some outside the box cheating um yeah. you know it's going to be maybe shoving it with the opposite of void which is something right yeah there we go i feel like if you locked it in the void between realms it would just become stronger <laughs> but, oh well okay yeah, uh, it's, it is a void beast i guess yeah it's the it's the one thing that gets stronger when it's trapped <laughs> in the void but um, whoopsie yeah you got you, you you need to fill it up with stuff i don't know but um in that case maybe if it's small enough bethel could just eat it and shove it full of i don't know it's We'll see how that shakes out, but... Yeah. Um, okay, so what about this better Emerilis? 
She says, uh, a better Amaryllis might have ripped apart the world to get at its secrets or authorized the sorts of experiments that would have made the Second Empire queasy. I crossed lines, a great many of them, but I wish I'd crossed more because these books are all, all that would remain of me when I go. Okay, so I did, did read all that before. But what I didn't say is that only Amaryllis can look back at a life like hers and say, I should have done more. Yeah. Right? She's like, oh, man, those two hours a month I spent watching movies were an indulgence I should never have treated myself to. And I mean, maybe maybe she never did watch movies at all. It sounds like she's saying, oh, man, those war crimes I committed were not nearly horrible enough. Well, and she regrets not using sex and romance to advance her agendas. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, not, not abusing every tool in her toolbox. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think she made the right call by not letting, quote, unquote, petty morality stop her. You know, yeah. I still think that. Even if you know your timeline is going to end, it doesn't make the suffering you cause not real. It might not make it persistent, but I, it should still weigh on your conscience. I don't know. I don't want to be the kind of person who would do that. You know, I think that she made a great Lucius Malfoy, and I wouldn't want her to make a good Voldemort. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting hung up on this like petty morality thing, though, because like petty morality is the same thing that would would tell you to, um, I don't know let the people on the ferry know that you're about to sink it and so they they can get away but then somehow that prevents you from sinking the ferry and the nazis get the nuclear material after all no that that, you're right that's i think in our parlance petty morality petty morality to her is more than that because she already you know did experiments with non-anima stuff um you know they did you know horrible things for her i mean petty morality is not uh annihilating you know, is not going back in time and annihilating all of Germany with antimatter because Hitler will be born in two months, right? Like, right. So but I think like that the there's there's a line between between that and like letting a few people die to further further or to hasten the end of a war. Like we cheer that she would smash June's head in with a hammer to save all of Air, right? But I, she has. She I has love chances. that about her that she says that she would and that she okay. she actually might, but I don't know if she actually would. But you think that's a the correct stance to take, that if it would save the entirety of Arab, you should be willing to kill one person, even if you love that person, right? Yeah, I suppose. Intellectually, I acknowledge that. Okay, well then, I mean, she she literally in this lifetime has a chance to save all of Arab, like for all eternity, however 5 billion people are on it, plus however many more get born, plus possibly the people in the hells, and she she can do that she can increase the chances of the real universe actually getting the good ending by giving june all the possible information he can she can wring out of this doomed timeline and one of the ways to do that is to smash people's heads in with hammers or send non-animas to get tortured by felseed or whatever other nazi experiments that she could have done to give him more information like all of that falls under the petty morality that is put on the opposite end of the scale of saving literally everyone forever and and normally we come down on the calculus of yeah saving literally everyone forever is such a good thing that you should be willing to break a few skulls with a hammer or whatever like is there is there not a line i mean obviously there is a line and we've talked a number of times about where that line is and why and why it shouldn't be crossed but if you're going to have it all erased so it didn't happen anyway does the line even matter and I, it's, I guess that's what i keep coming back to i don't know if that harm is actually real and and you keep and you think it is and i i i think maybe it is but i'm not convinced and that is what keeps hanging me up that like 
it doesn't seem like it should be thought of as real if it is erased from the timeline and has never even existed, but Arab could still be lost or saved based on that stuff she did or didn't do. No, I totally feel you. And I think that you you make a good point. I mean, like she 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 doesn't like live a perfectly virtuous life because of her petty morality. She just stops short of like apparently the line that she drew was things that would make the second empire queasy. And we know that they did a lot. So she went really far. I guess what I was glad that she didn't go, you know, full Voldemort, even though it was going to be erased because she still had a life worth living. And if she went full dark side, just like, let's get all the information forever. And like, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, I will smash, you know, 10 heads a week with a hammer or whatever. But like, if she's going to do it from dawn to dusk every day, all day for a hundred years, like yeah, that just, I mean, so I think that she found a good sweet spot between like doing the most good, collecting the most information and living a life that was worth living while, uh, you know, towing the line on becoming an evil, you know, becoming a dark Lord uh, to try and get information for the better, for the better future. But it's also unclear you know, what kind of information she could have gotten, you know, after the DM fucked off, like, what is she going to learn? You know, um, we learned that actually I've got a long list here of her achievements, right? Um, she apparently made it. Oh, go ahead. uh, I was going to say, before we get into that, I think you have, I think you have sufficiently won me over at least enough to say that she probably did the right thing because yeah, I wouldn't want her to, to become this thing that June would be horrified to have ever even read about existing. And plus also, I wouldn't want this to be used as justification nowadays for people to be like see this is why we must impose martial law right now and and do these horrible things to people because the fate of the future depends on it like i you know that's that's been used to justify absolutely horrendous things in the past and and i know that there's always a little bit of risk of someone internalizing too much from fictional evidence so (laughs) so i think i think you have made a a good point and i'm just still kind of strung up on my own inability to find meaning in stuff and this this kind of thing always like inflames that that uh that old wound in me or not wound but you know that that thing yeah, sore spot one of these days yeah, yeah. i want you and i to sit down and talk about it because i i don't have a you know i can't tell you the meaning of life but i somehow go through life without worrying about it and it, then again i don't want to force you to talk about it because it's staring at something scary but um, i would literally love to talk with you about it especially if we have a recorder running somewhere so it's a patreon <laughs> content <laughs> I, I will talk to you but only if we can you know i think it was uh, only if we can monetize this i feel like it was kamel nanjiani that made a joke about that that like the best way to have conversations now is just to put a microphone in front of two people mm. like it doesn't even have to be running just like let them think it is yeah and that's the best kind of conversation now so um, like honestly the the thing for me it wouldn't so this this just goes to show how deep my damage goes uh for me the recording it wouldn't be for any sort of material uh mon- monetary reward because it i mean i i love our patrons and they do help us it really is appreciated but it's not like a huge amount of money it would be far more the thing that like if this is recorded and put somewhere where some people online can access it it matters more and it is more meaningful because like if it's just me who cares i'm gonna die i'm gonna forget whatever but if it is recorded and put out there forever then there there must be some meaning behind it so i would love to have a conversation and i would love to have it even more so if it was a 
enshrined in stone meaningful thing you know so i i'm fucked up i'm sorry no 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 i don't think it's necessarily fucked up to think that something that has more persistence than you know the memory of whatever a conversation you had a month ago right yeah, but it also feels like I'm demeaning you by saying like, oh, just a conversation with you doesn't is not that important or anything unless we record it. No, no, no. You I know? think that I guess I took it another way, which is to say that, like, you know, we can we can do more good by assuming that I have anything worth hearing to say. But like, if there's anything that comes out of the conversation, the more people to hear it, the better. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, if, if somebody comes across some just great piece of wisdom for themselves, you know, great. They've done better. But if they tell it to somebody and it, it spreads around, the more people are better off. Yeah. Yeah. Now it sounds like I've got the answers, and, and I think we're hyping everyone up. I really don't, but it's just something I, that I think I think can be, you know, because I, ha- I had concerns like that before, and I'm not sure if I just, like, ran out of fucks to give and I've got a problem or if I've somehow found peace with it. But um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the – yeah, well, well, we'll put a pin in that. I, I'd like to do that, and I don't mind doing it on an episode for a thing either. So, um, all right, so – Amaryllis's life, because again, the, I think what led us up to this was that, um, she lived a life worth living. And I liked what you said about not using this justify, like if she saw that, oh yes, we got the best outcome because I went full dark Lord. She might be like, well, fuck it. I'll save myself 75 years and just go straight to dark Lord rather than wait. Right. Ooh, yeah. um, but if she learns that the, the her of a century from now was still the kind of person who felt love and, um, cared about people had, reservations about doing super evil things um even given all that she's been through like that's awesome um the so did we mention that she becomes god king empress of the empire (laughs) well without the god part yeah well but she's she's short of rewriting the entire like international constitution she's gone as high as is possible to go yes which is awesome yeah she has like three different titles kind of like dumbledore had yeah she uh, made it an accord with Doris fucking Finch. God damn. Um, they struck a deal with the Infernals where Val would kill them occasionally to keep them in line. Um, in the next chapter, they mentioned that she invented computers, but she doesn't mention that in any of the stuff we saw directly. Um, mm-hmm. She shoots an antimatter bomb at the fucking moon because <laughs> the apparently remaining, we thought it was like totally abandoned, but apparently there were elves there and they shot a sky beam at Erb. Yep. Or maybe and they like set a countdown timer when they left or something i don't even know something really happened funny. that they should yeah but yeah i i i also after reading this i'm like oh i guess there are still some elves there hiding out and making a a sky beam to kill Arab. i don't know why what's their issue with Arab? i mean sky beams are tight <laughs> it's true uh, this is a superhero movie what color is the sky beam gonna be uh, yeah I mean, I've got to think that they were still on the moon because if you set a countdown timer to point a sky beam laser at the place you're going, that's just bad planning. Um, you're right. Yeah, that's no good <laughs> point. <laughs> it must have been the holdouts that were like, fuck air, we're staying on the moon. Right. Uh, she rediscovered the Thargox method of um, coordinating warders and mm-hmm. they used it to block off the upside down again uh, mm-hmm. that Uther had done 500 years ago. Um, yeah. She has quite the, quite the resume, and she looks back at her life and says, I should have done more. And I'm right. like, you did more than anyone else except for maybe Uther Pendrag. Yeah. Like, if anything, she she did it on hard mode, you know? Yeah. She didn't get quests. She, had- she didn't get, she didn't get uh, uh, informative text, level mm-hmm. ups. She was just 
living a regular muggle life except being amazing at it. Yeah. She had a couple of advantages from having some of the whatever soul magic and whatever, but um, yeah. no, she she crushed it. Yep. And sometime in the last several years of her books, um, at least going back, let's see, through the one that we saw in 548, and the last one we see is in 546, um, or 596, excuse me. So for 50 years, she's writing herself secret notes at the end of these books. Mm-hmm. And two of them are the same, and then the last one is different. And yeah. I had guessed that it was some sort of like, a one-time pad where if you start with like the word juniper and then rotate the letters, um, it would I don't know get how you the, the fuck, thing. I don't know how the fuck you got juniper. Like that, that is correct. And that's crazy. But I would have never thought that juniper was the key. I think it was more complicated than that though. Cause I tried, I went to like a website where you could punch in like a one-time pad. And there was, when I went to the Reddit thread, it, it was like some more convoluted encryption. Okay. But juniper was uh, still the key. I figured like that, I mean, it could, I guess, I don't know how confident I was. It was the first thing I thought of just because, like, these are love letters to him. Mm, um, okay. And I don't know. I I suppose, I don't know why I anchored on that. Maybe I didn't, and I just thought I thought it was obvious in, in retrospect. But I did go try to figure it out. But I think I might have done that. I can't remember now if maybe I saw what the key was. Because I don't know. I didn't feel like it was that big of a jump. I think I, I guessed it might have been something like that, but I wasn't that confident. But now I'm unsure. I think my, I think you're right. I'm questioning my my memories. But but we got two messages to read. I pulled them both out because they're important. So okay, you want to read them in their entirety then? Yes, I want you to read them in their entirety. Oh, okay. Well, I can't read out loud. You know me. Okay, fine. I will do my best. <laughs> The first message, which we see repeated uh, at least once. We don't know how many times it was repeated. I'm assuming she just put it like at the end of every book because she figured June wouldn't find all of them and hopefully one of them would get through. Anyways, yeah, she she she, assume, she says something that, you know, you probably will only find a few of these or something. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she put in at least like 40. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first message is your ancestors and relatives poisoned you. You were always too cautious and too manipulative. That was not your fault. Your fault lies in not recognizing that poison and working to excise it. Juniper can help you with that if you let him. I won't suggest that you need to love him or reverse what you have done to your soul, but it would help if and when he's over Fen. And then message two, which we only saw once at the very end, was you love him. It's a deep love. Maybe you induced it in yourself as an ill-conceived experiment in manipulating him, or maybe it was the divine will of the dungeon master, but that doesn't substantially change the math. Your love for him is a core part of you, immutable by any technology or magic we have. It will poison any other relationship you have. I speak from experience. I lived past a hundred years old and never got him and never got over him, not for lack of trying and not for lack of incentives. Turn off your dampers and let yourself love him. There's no reason not to. That's the sweetest thing ever. Uh it's worth, yeah, so I don't know if we belabored the point. She encrypted these for her younger self. She says, she'll know how to decode it. I'll leave it to her whether to decide whether or not to share it with you. Uh, yeah, she didn't want June to just be able to read it and know what it said. Right. Do you think that June should bring these messages to her? I mean, specifically the second one. Uh, the first one seems like, I mean, I guess I guess he doesn't know what's in them. So, so it's mm, not really, 
that's not really a decent question. I guess the the better question is if she does get these and translates them, do you think uh, she will take her own advice and do you think she should? I mean, I feel like they both have important message. In fact, the second one kind of just beats home the point of the first one, but like the love part, but the, the fact that she grew up and had a, a life like Lucius Malfoy, right? Mm-hmm. Who accomplished a lot and was a total badass, but how many friends did he have? All right. And that's kind of what she's, I think, getting at with that first one. Like, you know, yeah. you can let people in and it doesn't make you weak. You know, not everything's a transaction. I know that you were raised that way, but we can do better. Um, yeah. So, so that one definitely, I think she should take that advice. That's that's a good one. Um, but he but makes a compelling one? point that he doesn't know what advice he's delivering. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's gonna. It's either probably both or none. Um, do I think but he should? Sec- well, not. Do you think he should? Do you think she should take her advice in message two that like you know to fuck it all, go ahead and love June? So I mean, like both. Do you think she should, and do you think she will? Man, do I think she will? Like, so if, if, if I got a message from me from the future, it would be, I think, ill-advised to ignore it. Um, yeah. You know, especially if future me was trying to say something that wasn't totally unreasonable. Um, yeah. You know, this isn't quite like getting a message from future self saying invest in Bitcoin in 2010. But, right. um, you know, I, I, if I got a note that I knew it was from my, from my future self in 2010 that said, look, take all the money you have. Yes, you think it's important, but it's not. Buy Bitcoin with it google how to do that um i'd be like well okay if you say so if it's yeah, kill your wife and you know marry your next door neighbor um i don't think i would believe future me and i'd want to have a chance to argue with him <laughs> but well, here's here's the question isn't that nutter butters is there any advice that you would right now want to give to your past self which you know your past self would reject um depends how far back we go Man, this would have been great to think about before I was put on the spot. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, you're good. I mean, like, all the advice is things that, like, I wish were different now. But, like, those aren't things that younger me would have disagreed with. Like, I don't know. Um, find some way not to hurt your back. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, get ahead of a few things that might have been better handled if you had, like, a better time jump on them or something. Um, but there's nothing that... Like, because I haven't looked back at my life yet and realized I was doing something terribly wrong. Like, um, I mean, I I would probably want to tell my past self stuff like, you know, that whole socialism thing you're on is really dumb and actually kind of uh, kind of harmful. And my past self would have been like, holy fuck, what happened to me that I became that corrupted and evil in the future? <laughs> you know, like, I, I know that is something that I would like to tell my past self, but my past self would reject it. Absolutely. I don't think young me had strong uh, political convictions, so I wouldn't be mind killed that way, or I wouldn't have to try to mind assassinate myself that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I know, I know what you're saying. I, I certainly hope I don't, because now I'm getting you know further along and stuff. I, I hope I don't realize at 80 that I was doing something terribly wrong this whole time. Um, right. You know, I. We can try and get ahead of this, right? Imagine you 50 years from now. What will your future self tell you? Um, well, I mean, that's the problem. If I was teenage me and imagine me in 50 years, I'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of like a old Green Arrow from uh, Dark Knight Returns, where <laughs> he's just a very old socialist fighting fighting against the man and for the proletariat. And and then I would try to imagine the, the advice that that kind of person would give me, but I would have been very wrong. Yeah, good point. Because, I, I mean, know. it hasn't even been 50 years. It's been like 20, 25 I feel like I'm already trying to do some of like the easy advice that any future version of myself would give me, which is like 
take care of your body, get better sleep, mm-hmm. um, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know. Um, so I, do I think Amaryllis will take her own advice? I think she will. Um, because this, this is, this fits more like in the first category of advice that future me would give, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that sounds a little nuts, but you've got all the wisdom and I'll take your word for it. You're not asking me to do anything too crazy. Um, yeah. so that's, I think that she'll do it if she gets this, which I think she will. Okay, man. I mean, I don't suppose you remember what your guess was, but I, I have every confidence that she's going to get these notes. Um, I whether she actually, gets the entirety of the books, um, I'm not sure, but I think that she'll be getting these. I don't think I had the translation of the notes, uh, when I first read this chapter. That's fair. But did you think that she's going to get the books? Uh, well, he does copy a book over in the next chapter, doesn't he? In 132. Oh, uh, Raven does, I think. Yeah. Raven makes a copy for him. So I just, yeah, figured, yep. He's, she's gonna She's going to get at least that book. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I guess even without knowing the contents of the notes, I would have assumed that she was going to get them, um, that he would have found a way. Right. Yeah. You know, they had this whole argument about, well, you can't bring books. They disappear. It's like, fine. I'll write it on a piece of scratch paper and put it in my pocket. Like, mm-hmm. Will that erase when the library goes? The answer probably would be like, yeah, dumbass, we tried that. Um, but <laughs> That's why we need NTADs. Exactly. You can't just write it down with a paper and pencil. No, we need magic to cheat the library. Oh, maybe he could tattoo it onto himself using tattoo magic. Hey, there we go. Yeah. That, now you're thinking with, with magic. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's about all I have for these ones. Or rather, these uh, this section here. It's yeah. I found it amazingly moving and uh just heart-wrenching but not like in a terribly sad way um and it was it was intellectually stimulating too you know like the 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 existential part of it um Mm -hmm. it i don't know it was it was amazing getting a glimpse into this alternate future and i think i'll comment on that in the next chapter um which we can jump to if you're ready to wrap up this one you said you had something to ask me was that like at the end of this episode or did you oh, want to it now? I had something to ask you. I don't know. The me of now can't relate to the me of 15 minutes ago enough to remember <laughs> to know what he even wanted. No! <laughs> cool. All right, then, yeah, let's move on to 132. Uskine Nerveda. Works Nerveda? for me. Nerveda? Nerveda? I don't know. But, yeah, we, uh, like you said, there was uh, some quick summaries of Juniper of the books that she wrote as, you know, part of the condensing pages into lines thing. Uh, we find out that Val spent her life basically raising children and just being a happy mom. She raised exceptional children, maintained a happy home. And if that, June says, if that was what she decided to do with her life in the Doom timeline, well, I owed her an apology. And um, i sure, I guess, but that might also be exactly what doomed Val wearing a devil would want June to think. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> um, I had said that, I mean... In our defense, or in June's defense, too, this conclusion, she kept those ruse up for the better part of a century. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's as good a proof as we could ever want that she didn't let evil corrupt her, right? Yeah. But, like you said, a smart devil would realize that, and, you know, that, that June might learn of her actions in this timeline and be one step ahead. So, um, yeah, she, she married Jorge, it- and they adopted a bunch of kids. I do think you're right. That would be a very, very hard ruse to keep up for multiple decades. Yeah, I mean, unless she just, you know, visited Amaryllis once a decade and, you know, lied to her about what she's been up to. But I mean <laughs> brought you know, along fake kids each time. What what is she gonna what is she gonna do 
you know, evil by herself anyway. Like she doesn't seem to have that many mm-hmm. wants. She at her, in her heart, she wants to be Hermione Granger, you know? Yeah. And it basically sounds like she landed there. So, yeah. You know, the thing with getting her and or getting Fen and June to break up was just a miscalculation. You know, it's, it wasn't the sign of her being super evil, but it was a sign of how easy it is to, to miscalculate when you're letting devils put their thumbs on the scales because you won't stop leaning on them for support. So I guess as long as nothing important relies on your decisions, she can lead a decent <laughs> life. But as or soon as, as something she, mad, as long as she doesn't lean on devils to do it, to make the decisions, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Devils probably would be much help in, in raising kids. Yeah, then she's just like the rest of us, and she can make her best informed judgment. But yeah. she may, maybe she'll have like some of the wisdom of having once you know gone through that period in her teens where she ate many tens, of, hundreds of thousands of years worth of demon lives, um, and she she consumed all that knowledge and wisdom. But maybe some of the evil will worn off, but some of the wisdom will stick around. I'm still not entirely sure you could trust her because now she's going to be put in high stress situations again, where she might have to make decisions that are important and. And she sucks at those. Yeah, she sucked the one time. Most of the most of the stuff that she does under high duress, you know, is well calibrated, well calculated, and works out, right? She she got yeah. to masters. She tr- raised the alarm about the the poison in time to save almost everybody. Um, mm-hmm. She did like do a great job when um when the crew was in the pit and she was uh, confronted by uniquities, the way both yeah. she held them off in a non deadly way and like talked her way into their good graces and stuff. I think the one time that she was able to talk herself into thinking, yes, I can bend morality to get myself something that I think I might kind of want. Um, the one time she indulged that things went badly, right? Yeah. You're like, right. She, she knew that's what she was doing. Her, yeah. She just shouldn't trust her morality because her morality is informed by demons. She shouldn't trust her morality while eating a demon. <laughs> I think or, I think that's the important possibly part. Ever. Maybe you know possibly what, but, ever. Yeah. But I think I think it was the fact that she was wearing a demon the whole time that that you know put a dark tint on everything that she looked at and did. Um but we don't have time to dig into Val's psychology. We'll get plenty of time for that later, I'm sure. Um Yes. There's uh this is where they're having that argument about uh where Raven and June are fighting about bringing the books. And I liked uh I mean, it just puts some of the weight on the history of what the library's done and what you know, Raven's position is, she says, we stood by and watched dictators come to power. We stayed silent after unearthing heinous crimes against the mortal species. We've seen plague ripped through communities and done nothing because they aren't important enough. We have our priorities in place. We're not going to bend for her. And you're right. Very miry, right? Um, It's like, yes, look, that all matters. And yes, we didn't put all of our effort into uh, curing malaria, even though we knew we could have if we did that for 50 years. No, we had bigger fish to fry. Um, and June, his reply, he says, you don't control me. I'm not a part of your chain of command. And (laughs) he's finally playing his like, all right, look, I'm the God protagonist of this story. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't boss me around. And then she's like, well, look, (laughs) you know, I don't really have to. The point is you can't do this by yourself. You can't bring the books out. So (laughs) suck it. Punk. Yeah, I don't. I don't have to be your boss. The, the universe will tell you to get fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's every now and then you do need other people's help, even exactly. if you are June. Exactly. Yeah, she she points out that um that uh, Amaryllis should not read those books. She says uh, that you want her time to have been worth something. I understand that uh, because Amaryllis does say several times in the books that like 
my entire life means nothing except for these books. And if you don't find them, this entire existence meant nothing. Anyways, uh, Raven, yeah, repeats what she said, says, I understand that, but keeping the library as a useful tool is too important to allow sentimentality to outweigh a strict cost-benefit analysis. And I I thought about this for a sec. I think Raven's right, because June is on his only playthrough, really. Like, all that matters to him is becoming God and fixing the world and resing Arthur and Fen. And it's like an all-or-nothing thing for him uh but for everyone else like they're more concerned about keeping the world existing than june's personal crusade at godhood like if june fails then for them it's just another dead false messiah dude that died uh they still want to have a functional library so they can keep uh preventing the world ending so they can keep things worse than uh plagues ripping through communities uh communities happening and they can't do that if june destroys the fucking library because he wants to become god um so i mean obviously if june does become god that that was a good trade-off the burning the library was worth it for that because he could make everything right but it's that's a big gamble and i do not at all i mean i i think that they might be right in wanting to be like i'm I'm not going to take this gamble with you june i'm keeping the library safe the, I think the gamble would be worth taking if there was more at stake, right? He wants to deliver some some books to Amaryllis that she wrote, not because they have any particular importance in saving the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if if he had, hey, look, I found the four books that we need that give me all the instructions I need to um to to have the good ending, but it involves the destruction of the library. I think Graven would high five him and be totally on board, right? Yeah, she, yeah. She, she's not. She's just not on board with like risking the library's integrity for something kind of so spurious, right? Right. Um, like it, it feels good, and it might help a little bit, but it's that's not enough. Yeah, I June had a reply here that I think kind of hit exactly what I was thinking. He says, "No, Amaryllis would sacrifice herself. In fact, she did all to make the world a better place." And he's trying to think calmly and rationally. And he says to himself, the real problem for me was that it felt like Amaryllis had died somewhere out there in the other timeline. Raven is right that I needed to separate myself from that emotional impulse, but that didn't mean that she was right about the dissemination of information. Um, So, like, I'm thinking of my heart, too. You know, Um, I I want to deliver these books to Amaryllis because they're the only artifacts of this awesome person that existed. Yeah. And I don't want them just to be gone when the library resets. Like, that's just that seems like a disservice. Um, I also fully expect the rules of the world and the caps to change very soon when June wins the game. So like, I don't think the library is all that important, but we talked about like the kind of stakes it would take. Um, yeah. he ends up asking her, what would Uther have done? And I know what he's doing when he's, when he's asking what would Uther have done? Cause he knows what Uther would say. <laughs> Uther, would wait, tell, wait. Uther would tell the world to suck his dick and do whatever he wants. Right. <laughs> he, he would, but I, again, I think that's a bad choice. Like, no, I agree. But when he's like, oh, I need to stop thinking with my emotions. And then he asks that as if he's looking, mm-hmm. maybe he's looking for what not to do, actually. Um, you know, he asks, what would Uther do? Yeah. And like, we know what he would do. I think June knows what he would do. Um, that's why he asked. I do think I was surprised that that's what convinced Raven to copy the book. She was like, oh, you're right. Uther would have done that. I'm like, that's not a good reason. Uther fucked a lot of things up. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because, you know, Uther 
doing his Uthering save the world all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, fuck me. Every time I thought he was going to destroy stuff, it worked out the other way. So maybe it was that, but I thought maybe June might have been asking for like, okay, what not to do? What did Uther do? But you're right. Mm. It was kind of just like a cue of, I think it was a little column A, a little column B. He wanted to have his way, knew that asking what would Uther do would give him the answer he wanted. But also he could talk himself into believing that, oh, okay, it actually makes sense to do what Uther would have done. Yeah. Even though I have no good reason to believe that my playthrough is like his. <laughs> very, uh, I, I think this was a bad idea, the copying. You know, I just had a thought. Hmm. June is playing on whatever diamond hardcore Iron Man mode. Yeah. If Uther wasn't, you know, like how he got by by the skin of his teeth over and over. Oh, shit. You think he may have like saved and reloaded a number of times? Yeah. Like maybe he's not even in charge of saving. It just goes back, you know, to the last checkpoint. Right, right. He was like, oh, shit. Okay. I guess doing that kills me. Let's uh, find this other way to attack the apocalypse demon. Yeah. Huh. That that would explain you know, how you get by by the skin of your teeth. But June keeps doing that too. And he's not, you know, uh, spawn or uh, saves. Why, why can't I remember the phrase? Save, save scumming? Save scumming. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just a passing yeah. thought. No, no, that's that's a good thought that perhaps that is the case. If when June and, and Arthur would... talk about the game at the end and he's like, yeah, how wild is it that, you know, that reload from checkpoint thing? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? You got to reload from checkpoints? I'm playing hardcore di- <laughs> Iron Man mode. Why didn't you disable it? I can't disable it. Like, oh, shit. Stakes are higher for you, man. That sucks. <laughs> I can also see how that would lead you more quickly to to thinking that this world doesn't matter and nothing is really real in it. Because oh, all your all your companions just died in front of you. And then you go back to the previous checkpoint and everything's back. And like stuff doesn't feel like it matters, right? You know, now that I had that thought, because you make it, that's, that's a really good point. Like his his nothing matters thing and he was ta- he was writing a groundhog day book like mm-hmm. it seems because his life was cyclical but if a lot of his time was spent groundhog daying um man yeah i it would be impossible that would be exactly the kind of thing that would take to convince me that like okay yeah this is all fake right dude and could I you mean, imagine like going up to one of your companions and like asking them the same question and then having the exact same conversation where they just say the same things they did before and you'd be like what the fuck are you, is this just a script in a computer somewhere? I mean, part of me feels like that's how it would work in real life if I was Groundhog yeah. Dang. But yeah, I agree. It would still, I get how that would like kind of shatter your, your it, it would crack, put cracks in your, your. <gasps> you know what? What if he did that, but Vervain didn't always give the exact same answers? Oh. And he was like, wait a fucking minute here. That would be, that was, that was the clue. That would have been awesome. Hey, I can see that. Yeah, because I mean, frankly, too. Imagine you're the DM. You know, the guy who wears sneakers and a Mister Dice guy hoodie, right? Mm-hmm. You're hang- you're palling around with Uther for forty years. Eventually, you're going to be like, wouldn't it be kind of more fun if I shook things up a little bit and he, you know, if I stopped playing the old wizard and kind of like clued him in just to just to shake things up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what he would do. You know, on on a ton of his save scumming attempts to kill stuff. You know, Vervain you know, politely recited the lines over and over and whatever. And yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to his poopers a bit. Yeah. I, I'm going to have a different breakfast this morning and see if Uther notices. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, did you ever play undertale? Uh, no, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. Well, uh, I, I sort of has something like that 
in one part of it. So that, that just reminded me of that. It was a fun game. Anyways, n- neither here nor there, especially since you haven't played it. I, I mean, I've seen most of a playthrough. I just realized that it wasn't for me. Um, okay. I think because I got all the things out of it from learning about it. You know, apparently if you do a genocide run, the game never forgets, even if you start a new file. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting and maybe yeah. metaphorical for the book. Uh, yes that, that, that is what i was thinking of yeah oh nice yeah yeah um, that it remembers the things you did from game to game which seems like you we'll, know not like, fair i should get it i should be a clean this should be a clean slate right right but no yeah. um i think one of the things that convinces june that like and i can't remember exactly how this came down but the line of uh he says that you know if she really had done all that without the help of future knowledge then it was arguable that she didn't really need information from the future Mm. And I meant to mention that earlier in, in my notes, because I'm like, you know, she figured out all the stuff out before you could even just tell her about it. You don't need to give her her books to tell her like the the useful bits, right? Yeah. You come back and you write some stuff down before you forget. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but I, I might help her speed run it a bit. It might. Yeah. But uh, you can still do that without bringing the physical books. But I, I think like the downside was just purely emotional. Like I said, these are the these are the artifacts of an amazing person who won't get to exist because that timeline is going to get canceled. Yeah. So, um, I've got a uh, a line here. He's this is I I'll quit doing all the talking. I realized I pulled out more notes here, but um, more than my share of notes in this chapter anyway. But he's sitting there. All right. So what happens with the end of the Raven stuff? Uh, you tell me. Uh, Vaguely. She basically she copies the book for him, and he's like, "Cool, thanks. I'm gonna work on my soul, uh, get working the spirit magic here because we're running out of days until the next reset, and I would like to get that taken care of before the reset." So he starts working on uh, unlocking spirit magic. That's with this right. book that they found. Yeah, that's the the title name, and uh, yeah, I forgot that they they've got a clock because shift change is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, while that wouldn't mean the end of his ability to keep using the library, it would mean like, do you want to stick around for another two weeks or do you want to like get out of here? Um, yeah, and they'd have to actually, start over finding the new schema, schemata and find where the book is again. And yeah, I guess we'll learn when he goes back to Arab. But like, is two weeks in the library two weeks on Arab? I guess we'll find out. Because certainly a lifetime on Arab isn't two weeks in the library. Um, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I wonder if he'll come back the second that he left. If that's the case, they should hang out in here for weeks, months, years. So there's got to be some sort of time that he's gone. Right. Um, okay, yeah. Um, anyway, he's thinking about if you altered one part of the soul, it would eventually drag itself back into alignment or coherence. Though the guy who knew most about that, oh, what those precise terms had meant, regrettably died before he could give me an in-depth theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just liked the regrettably. Regrettably. All right. All so right. they talk a lot uh Basically, the rest of the chapter is telling us what spirit is. And uh, Stephen, you seem to have a much better understanding of this than I do. So what the heck is spirit? Um, the rest of the chapter is about trying to tell us what he thinks spirit might be. Uh, yes. We don't get the the real answer, I guess, until the end when he levels up. I'll have to reread that part because um, he does actually unlock it. But uh, no, it just says he had a, glim- a glimmer of perspective. That's what unlocks it. So we don't we don't get a solid answer. Um, yeah, he has a, uh, a line about, um, if the soul was the database, then the spirit was the collection of queries that accessed the database or made some stored functions. I think it's, I think it's everything. Um, okay. but the thing is like, we've seen him every do, function that can interact with the database and maybe other stuff. 
Um, it might just be database stuff, but like then that makes it almost kind of useless. You know, look, okay. you you don't you can automate the boring part of your morning where you scroll your level up desire back down, right? Mm-hmm. Like if all it did was let you rewrite, you know, the if it was the number changer thingy, um, the soul number changer, then all it would do is be special for people like June, you know, who yeah. get a compulsive desire to level up every time they level up. Like, well, it, I mean, if it's you not can impossible change... that a branch of magic exists just for him. But yeah, yeah. But what other people did use it, it said historically. And if you can change the thing that changes your soul, that you can means you can indirectly change your soul, right? And also, like, I, I know a lot of people are like, I want to want something. This this feels like the thing that would allow you to change what you want to want. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you can you can kind of already do that with soul magic. And so it got me thinking of, like, so for the longest time, because I spent like two days trying to think of, well, not, you know, I didn't put the book down for two days, but... I spent a while thinking about soul magic in the background and then paused several times throughout this to sit and take breaks. But the, um, it makes it sound like I'm more competent at my job than I actually am. But <laughs> when he mentions, uh, like stored functions versus just data, I'm like, okay, I can follow this analogy, right? Mm. Like changing data is, um, and I don't think it's just hindsight, like kind of obvious what sort of functions might like what the functions might do. Um, but the thing is, like, he already does that with soul magic. You know, you can you can change how much somebody likes Oreos. Um, and I think Volator even said that changing memories is possible. So maybe Solitaire was also a spirit mage. But um, if he wasn't, and that's all soul stuff, I think what at least one thing spirit can do. Maybe Volator was a spirit mage, and that's how he could do memory business. But June said he could read people's memories, and he just doesn't. So he's at least halfway there. Um, yeah. No, I think I think what it does is like because I, I guess what the reason I wanted to belabor this because I had like this fun insight because mm-hmm. I kept trying to think of like all right what is this whole new thing that spirit might do and then I realized that why did it have to be that way like a lot of the stuff he unlocks with skills is stuff that he can already do he just now does it with perks mm-hmm. and so you know like he's got he's got a, a medium armor skill right he can wear armor yeah but now he can wear it without it whatever incurring any penalties right Um, right so i think that what spirit magic does especially if this like and it also kind of fits with like the pen that writes the book whatever right i think it lets him automate soul magic okay in a sentence that's that's my that's my guess um okay so i i realized there was a long way to belabor to the point but we're ending early it seems like so i had time to get there You, you had like an example that you gave with the if level up value thing Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, so the thing is, like, he can already change his bones, he can change his, his, um, how much he, he likes Mountain Rush, the off brand Mountain Dew. Um, Amarellis can change how much he loves June, right? So you can, you can even change emotions, not emotions directly, but you can change the things that change emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, in addition to doing those, I think, like, if you can just, like, write a little script in your head that says, if level up value greater than 10, level up value equals zero, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's just a constant running loop, then when you level up and you apparently want to go rampage, then it's not a big deal. Right, because it automatically drops it back to zero. Exactly. And what's this about infinite burns, infinite bones? Oh, yeah. So he has to go to his soul if he uses bones to copy, you know, say the bones from his left arm to his right arm so he can use them again, right? Mm-hmm. If you can also write a script that just says every 
in this probably be the kind of thing that goes up with your spirit magic level, but how often you can, whatever, repeat the the scripts. Cause if it's every second, then you've got infinite bones, you know, more than you could ever use in a second. But if it takes 10 minutes to run, you're still on kind of a limit that is impeding. Um, okay. So it like checks if bone is burned, then copy over bone from left side or whatever. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, that's, that's a fair point. That could work. If that's if how this, this if that's how spirit magic works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I guess the reason I want to talk about the for 10 minutes is because I spent more time writing about that than I think anything since we met the DM. Um, mm. Cause I really wanted to like figure it out before we got there. And uh, I don't know if I'm right yet. So I, I I'm confident I'm partly right, but he also like gave me a lot of hints with like the use of the word functions and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious what the unique things it'll do that it gives him. Because it again, if it's just automate soul magic, that would still be amazing for the reasons like I described. Not just for the level up thing, but also the bones. The um, uh, I don't know. There's other things you do with your soul that presumably can wear you out that this could handle. Um, mm-hmm. So okay, end of my long wind. Sorry. And that brings us to the very end of the chapter where he does unlock spirit, tapping into something. Uh, he unlocks the skill spirit. Uh, he gets an achievement for it. He gets a quest completion. <laughs> and because of that quest completion, he gets a level up. And that is where the chapter ends. And we've been getting a lot of ominous rumblings about leveling up uh, the past few chapters. Uh, and like the whole point of getting spirit was to make leveling up safe for him. So do you have any predictions for what's going to happen with this level up business since it was the last thing that happened in the chapter? My prediction was from actually earlier in this chapter or the one before it. I was like, it'd be just like the DM to, you know, because the quest was learn soul magic, right? Or learn Mm -hmm. spirit, sorry. Um, Learn spirit magic. And, or it's not even called spirit magic. It's just called spirit. Anyway, so unlock spirit. That was the quest. And I'm like, you know, it'd be really funny is that the DM levels him up from that because that's just the kind of humor that you would have. Mm-hmm. So I did correctly predict that in advance because um, this, why would you miss this opportunity, right? Um, yeah. If you're the DM, you you, you got to see what he does when he's unconstrained. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I have no predictions about what's going to happen because I don't know what he's not telling us about what happened last time. Like, I'm assuming he's going to soak his pants in front of Raven and, you know, maybe he'll shy love off rampage to librarians, but we didn't, we don't have any evidence that that happened before. Soak uh, his pants, meaning like with urine or with semen? Both probably. He's having a really, really good time. <laughs> okay. All right. But yeah. Also the achievement he unlocked was kindred, which gave me a thought when I was putting it here in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably like an abridged version of kindred spirits because that's kind of on the nose with spirit. But then the quest mentions that Uther was the last one or he did his best to remove this from the world. Um, so maybe it, you're kindred with Uther. You know, he oh. was the last predict- practitioner of this. But the DM explicitly said that you and I are kindred spirits. Oh. So it's definitely a clue. You know, yeah. this achievement is, does, isn't for nothing. Achievements don't do anything, right? They're just for June and us. Yeah. 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 Achievements are all clues. I think every achievement's a clue, now that I think about it. Eh, probably. Probably is. I don't, like, have a list of them, but yeah. I'm trying to think of the stupid ones, like the micro-Hitler, Le Petit Mort, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, making somebody come. What's that a clue of? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good point. That's not really a clue. Yeah, maybe half of them are clues. And the ones that aren't are just clues the Dungeon Master has a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, maybe the... Mm, yeah. 
DMs Arthur went up 5%. Nice. All right. Well, do okay, you have any well, guesses that you can remember? Because I did too much talking for the latter 30 minutes here. Uh, I actually was excited enough. I just flipped straight to the next chapter when I saw the level up. I was like, that, you, you, I'm not going to stop reading now. Well, fuck you. That makes sense. Which yeah. is why I ended our reading here because I was like, haha, I get to fuck Steven. I can't wait till, you know, you, you've done a really nice job about not doing that on a lot of super torturous points. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been deliciously torturous like this. Yeah. So I appreciate that as the person, you know, driving this, you, you could be more, uh, this could be more painful and it's not. So thank you for your mercy. And uh, <laughs> I am a merciful God. <laughs> when we get to the part where you were like, here's where I was when I got caught up with the book. And then I, w- I want to just take a minute when we get there to revel in like, aha, now you had to sit where I am. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I will let you know when we get there. Will we get there this week? One way to find out when we read chapters. The next four chapters, 133 through 136. And those are 133, The Critical Path, 134, Safe Mode, 135, Holding, and 136, Crin Real. Okay. Safe mode sounds interesting. Um, sure sounds like game stuff, but I have no idea. The only thing, Ken Rael sounds familiar. Isn't that like a dwarf thing? Yeah, I think it was like the dwarf lover or dwarf friend or dwarf life partner, something along those lines. That's right. I think it was it was the it was the not dwarf booty call. Okay. But yeah, dwarf. Yeah, partner. Okay. So at least I know what that one means. Um, hmm. Okay, cool. So it sounds like he's going to get back to see Drac at some point in the Drac, Crax, <laughs> in the next four chapters. Um, yeah. Well, this is exciting. I hell yeah. I don't know if we saw the meaning of life, but you know, but that's Emerald what patron episodes it. are for. That's <laughs> that's right. Um, cool. These these were a lot of fun. I yeah. don't have anything left to say that I didn't say when reflecting on them, but uh, they were great. Looking forward to the next ones. It feels weird that we ended earlier like this, but I'm also happier because this was much less stressful. Usually the last half hour is, is just we're, we're dra- dragging and I'm, I'm glad that we ended just before the last half hour this time. I still have energy and time to go eat dinner. So let's go do this. It's crazy. Yeah. High five. All right. Well, before we do that, we have to tell the people that um, they can go to HPMOR podcast to get our links and show notes and get to our Discord and give us money on Patreon and all those good things. And if you can't do any of that, you can always rate and or review us at your podcasting service of choice, which we also appreciate. Yes, indeed. And a reminder that I will be on... Uh, shaping exercises 101 next or in a couple days everyone who's not reading mother learning i think it's fun check it out um they do a great job analyzing the podcast too i think uh if you ever enjoyed reading gorky's comments on discord his witticisms and just like you know the way that he not pontificates um talks about a point i don't know see now i'm at that part where i'm running out of steam and my vocabulary is the first <laughs> thing to go but um he's he's just as funny talking as he is writing so um and griffin's energy is God, I don't know where he gets that. Maybe because they record earlier in the day, but I wish I had half that energy. Anyway, looking forward to that. And what's the other thing that we say before we uh, hang up? We give a, a huge shout out to our dungeon master, Alexander Wales, for making this game so we could play it. Exactly. Thank you very much for that. And we'll see you all in a week. Take care. Bye.